Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the In This League Fantasy Podcast Network. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Your home for fantasy college football. Online at InThisLeague.com. Find the podcast on iTunes. Tune in, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Get in this podcast now with your hosts, Bogman and CFF Expert Plays. Welcome to episode 34, and this is a giant preview. We've been doing the conference previews. We've wrapped that up. Now we're going to do, it's not a conference, but it's the non-Power 5 teams, which is 52 total teams, including the independents, the Notre Dame, BYU, UMass, and Army. All the independents and the non-Power 5 teams. Now, some of us don't use these for CFF. We do. I think it makes it more fun. Uh, what do you guys think? Blake and Blaze with me, as always. I mean, this is this is where the fun is, is in these conferences right here with the Boise States and the Western Kentuckys. This is where all the fun is. Yeah, I got to say, last year was the first first time I played the uh, outside of the, the power conferences and the independents included in it, and it was, it was pretty fun, man. I had a good time in, in last year's Listener League. I think we learned a lot from it. I think we're going to be better prepared to, to kick some ass. And the thing is, is when you use this many teams you can have a league that's 20 teams deep and everybody's still getting great players from somewhere i mean we had a 20 deep two quarterback league and it was still fun you know (laughs) (laughs) yeah cardell jones was a lot of fun after i auto drafted (laughs) (laughs) that was a lot of fun Ah, uh, God. Well, you guys know you can find us on the Twitter machine. It's at Bogman Sports, at Mr. CFF, and at Lord underscore Blazer. You can uh, email us if you have any questions, scottbogman at gmail.com. And uh, you can join the Listener League with a five-star rate and review on iTunes. We would appreciate that, even if you don't want it on the Listener League. It would uh, help us out a lot. And uh, – we have a couple new entrances in. Of course, uh, you know, future show host James is on board. <laughs> we got Blake and Blaze. We got a couple Army members, Rob and Mayfield, are in there. So we are. Oh, you're uh, letting Rob in without a, a rate and review, even though he's not using iTunes? How nope. dare he? Uh, he's paying me. I like money, though. So <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> <laughs> I'll no, be sure to buy great. you guys a beer, you know. So. <laughs> yeah, Robin Mayfield, they're good. They're in the Army, so, you good know, guys. they get in. Yeah, join the Army and you're in. I tell you that, too. So, I mean, you won't get any bonus CFF from the Army, but uh, join it and you're in uh, if you want to, you know, support me and the Welsh from the other podcast. But um, let's jump right into this because we've got just so much stuff to talk about. Uh, why don't we start with these questions? Now, you guys have put together a couple questions about the non-Power 5. So we'll start with these just 
so everybody can get a nice base of what's going on with these teams. The first question here is who are the top offenses from the non-power schools? So I'm going to say uh, I really like Western Michigan's offense this year. They're, they're, they're bringing a lot back in the form of Zach Terrell. You know, it's his senior year. Uh, I, I'm expecting big things out of him. But not just that. They, they had Corey Davis, who, who is coming back beyond Daniel Braverman last year as well, who is off to the NFL. Corey Davis is in for a monster season this year. Jamari Bogan and Jarvion Franklin are both back as well. It's it's just a loaded a loaded offense and they're gonna have a big year. Uh, number two for me is Boise State, right? Mark Ripian. The Glasterhaw Dunkinshire, University of Wisconsin. Is Rip ready it. to roll. <laughs> Rip Come it. on, I'm just messing around. Yeah. <laughs> Ripian Rapport. <laughs> That's gonna be my team name, Ripian Rapport. Fresh <laughs> Ripping. Jeremy McNichols and Thomas Spurbeck, right? Three-headed monster for Boise State. And even though Western Kentucky loses Brandon Dowdy, I still think having Taiwan Taiwan Taylor uh, and the rest of the guys that are going to be stepping up in in everyone's absences should be enough to keep that team operating on full cylinders. It's it, they have a lot of question marks at quarterback. And uh, we'll we'll see if Mike White or Tyler Ferguson can end up stepping up for them, but I still think they're going to pretty be a pretty powerful offense. You agree with those teams, Blake? Uh, I'm with you with uh, with Western Michigan with their two headed uh, running back, and uh, with I mean obviously Zach Terrell is one of the best quarterbacks in non Power Five. Corey Davis is NFL talent, so he's going to have a monster year. And with Boise State. You can't forget about Jake Rowe at tight end. I mean, they have four players that I'm looking to draft at Boise State. But uh, my other team, because like you said, Western Kentucky, they have some question marks at quarterback. I'm liking Middle Tennessee State this year. Uh, Brent Stockstill was a true freshman last year, came in through for over 4,000 yards. His dad's the head coach. Obviously, something was working there for them. Uh-huh. And then uh, Richie James, too, was a special talent for them as a freshman. I'm looking forward to see what they can do uh, this year. I just like having these these schools also just w- makes it wide open for tight ends because tight ends are such garbage. This yeah. is where you want your tight ends coming yes. from. There's there's yes. you know maybe a handful five that you can think of in those power five conferences that are going to be super reliable. But these guys in in outside of the power five is where you can really find some value at tight end. Yeah, like yeah, I remember some of these guys from last year, Jonas Smith. Uh, you know, Ryan, you're a chick. I added late last year. No, you're a chick. Yeah, you're a chick. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're a turd sandwich. Uh, <laughs> are there are there any standout defenses that are worth me sitting a player or even drafting for? Um, I don't know about drafting as of right now, but I do know that Boise State, Northern Illinois, and Utah State are all teams that I watch out for whenever I have players. Uh, I mean, Brett Rippon had his worst game last year against Utah State. So those are just teams you got to watch out for. That's tough. It, it's tough adding those schools, like, unless they, they play each other. Because, oh, yeah. You know, it, it's just – it's tough because, I mean, really, you know, you can find you can find offensive skill anywhere, but uh, but defensive skill is all in the SEC, all of it. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's all about point suppression, right? Yeah. 
you don't see it too often in these non-power five teams because oftentimes some of these teams are just trying to score as many points as humanly possible. Right, that's and that, and that's why it's just difficult to pinpoint. You know, you just got to find, you know, when Boise State is playing the bottom of the barrel, that's who you, you know, maybe it's okay to have Boise State's defense that week. But uh, most of the time, you're not going to want to mess with them. You want the... You, you know, surprisingly, San Diego State had a pretty good defense last year, and they 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 held people to some pretty low point totals. So you know, they they're a pretty good team again this year. I don't know if their defense will be as good, but uh, you know, them and maybe Marshall as well. I, I think I would throw those two teams in the hat. But it's the, not it's not on the same level as Alabama, right? Right. We're saying well, nobody is. Hey, but yeah. Guess what? You have Leonard Fournette. He's still not going to have a Leonard Fournette type of game because he's playing Alabama. Right. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> um, how many players can you say are first round talent when you include all of these conferences and independent teams? Um, um, go ahead, Blake. I see the value at running back. I mean, there is just so much value here. Uh, Jeremy McNichols. Jeremy Jonah. McNichols is, and we'll get to the rankings uh, eventually, but I mean, Jeremy McNichols is pretty easy, the number one running back, right? Uh, out out of this, the out of the the non power five and independence. I don't oh. think so. I think it's close between him and Pumphrey. Okay, well then let's put them both up there. Uh, those guys are both going in the first round in a twelve man. Oh yeah, yeah, even pretty in a easy? twelve. I think so. Ten. Yes. I, I think they're both still fringe. yeah fringe for Pumphrey, but McNichols would be easy. So how high on McNichols then? I mean, I got McNichols right over McCaffrey as number two. Wow. So McNichols is your number two player. Yeah, number uh, number, two number three player. Number number two back and number three player. Okay. Please, would you put him that high? Or you yeah, I haven't lower? finished my uh, my big board yet, but he he's probably you know in that top five area. Okay. That's interesting. So how many – are those the only two guys? Would you put Corey Davis in there or any of these quarterbacks? Uh, I wouldn't put any quarterbacks in the first round, but I would put uh, – I put Larry Rose in there too from New Mexico State in a bigger league and absolutely Corey Davis. Uh, I think there's going to be a premium on receivers this year and Corey Davis is going to be one you got to have. He is, uh, but I'm not – I think the uh... – the the peak of what you're looking for is at that running back position, man. It's the same okay. with the NFL. Like you want that cornerstone running back that you can you can rely on. I, I think another guy that I have on the fringe maybe a bit is uh, Ido Smith from Southern Miss, who uh, the backfield opens up a little bit this year for him. Mullins is still going to have uh, you know the ball in his hands a lot, but I think be- because Ido Smith is now you know the primary ball car- carrier. He could see a bit of an increase just because how dynamic the offense is going to be. Okay. Casey Martin led the team in receptions last year, and he's right. gone. Okay. And Michael Thomas being gone as well. Right. He was their special deep threat kind of guy. And they return their, their middle three linemen, the, both guards and the center. And the center was an all-conference performer. So okay. maybe so a little more in the trenches. So there's a lot of good skill is what we're saying. How much would you say, and we talked about this last year, but let's just make the point for the people who weren't around last year. How how would you say playing some of these Power 5 teams 
in the schedule affects some of these guys? Does it make them – does it drop their value a little bit than those players that are already in the Power Five? Like if, you know, when Boise State plays, you know, like let's say they would go play a middling, like you know, like a Texas or a Oklahoma State or somebody like that. I don't know what their schedule looks like this year. I don't have it in front of me. But a big team – a guy with a big producer like Jeremy McNichols – him playing against Oklahoma State is different than, you know, one of the Power Five teams, isn't it? I would say so because I mean, like Oklahoma State has a weak defense to begin with, so I would definitely start McNichols against Oklahoma State. But like Nick Mullins plays LSU and Kentucky this year, so he went. He's down to three, uh, and he was probably the returning leader at quarterback last year as far as yards and production go. That LSU game is going to hurt. Yes, right. definitely. That's that's going to be a rough game for them. And Kentucky, maybe not that's so much. That's just a game where, you you know, this is a guy that you're going to have to take fairly high, and you already know he's you got to bench him for a game. You know, exactly. I don't even think you'd bench him. You still play him because he, Would you? I mean, even if they get their asses kicked, do you, you think there's going to be some garbage time points put up anyway? They're going to be playing from behind. They're down 52 nothing. They're going to be putting their, their star quarterback in? back out there and nick mullins is going for the records this year man <laughs> <laughs> trying to beat Bear Corvette, huh? Yeah. all right well i mean i i i, I get the points yeah, and they're both good points to be made you know like like blaze said you know even if they're getting killed they're gonna put up garbage time points and uh and blake said you know maybe you just don't want to start your guys then if it's a running back i think it's a different scenario right because then you kind of have to take the ball out of his hands right i think the point to be made is that it's something that you have to take into consideration when drafting these guys. They are they without a doubt. I think we talked about it last year um, with what was it, Massachusetts? John. Yeah, I think it was Massachusetts that had a like a a gauntlet non-conference schedule. Yeah, yeah, because we were who were we talking about? I remember we were talking to John about that, and he John Lobb is going to be on the show. That's who uh, I'm going to be doing the interview Woo! with afterwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good to catch up with John. And uh, but um, we were talking about that with him, and I said, "Well, are you going to start him? You know, early in the season?" And then he went to go look at the schedule, and he said, "Well, now that uh, whoever it was, I can't remember who it was, but whoever it was, he went and looked at the schedule, and he said, well, I can't start him for the first three games because he's got tough matchups those first three yeah. games, being a small school player, and um, it might have been Pumphrey." It might, we might have been talking about Pumphrey last year. I feel like it was San Diego State, but I could be incorrect there. Don't hold me uh, to that. UMass, I think it might have been UMass because they UMass played Temple, Notre Dame in yeah. weeks two and three. Okay. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. So Okay, maybe it was Tajay Sharp or somebody then. So And so, Fraunhopper. Yeah, and Blake Fraunhopper. Right, right. Yeah, it was probably Blake. But uh, but so it's it's something that you got to take into consideration when drafting these guys hard. You, Hi. Yes, they are uh, really talented, and they do have better matchups in most weeks, but not every single week. Sometimes they're not. Schedules definitely mean more for these players. Yes, exactly. So just pay attention to it, and uh, and know know some of the schedules for these guys. But let's get into the normal show after we answered those questions, and let's talk. About no, you know what? You know what? Let me. What? I'm going to pump the brakes here. We got to oh. talk about the Big Thirty Three game here. 
Oh, that's right. I forgot to ask you about you that. You give me my plug. Uh-huh. You went to go see the Big 33 game. Now I went to go see Miles Sanders. Now explain what the Big 33 game is for everyone who doesn't know what it is. Right. The Big 33 is a high school uh, all-star game in the state of Pennsylvania where uh, the 33 players from PA uh, play a different state. Uh, for a long time, for, for most of, of my life it was against Ohio um I know like my dad's told me stories back in the day of them playing other states like he saw Tony Dorsett play in it um like a lot of great players so it's it's got a lot of prestige to it uh right now they've been playing Maryland uh the state of Maryland since uh 2013 but uh check all those guys for shanks (laughs) come on I'm just like Maryland I'm just being rude. I'm a Steelers fan, so. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. (laughs) But anyway, you know, getting to see some uh, some Penn State, some future Penn State players, in particular, Miles Sanders was uh, definitely a good time. It's uh, what do you say on the first play? He did something crazy. I got to post it to you guys on Twitter or something, but um, he they they ran him out of the backfield. He ran like a waggle, like fade route um, out of the backfield. And uh, uh, what's his name? Quentin Devonte Cross, Quentin Cross. I can't remember his first name. Um, I think he is he's going to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I'll tell you what, that dang old Internet, man, you just go on there and point and click, get in there and talk about www.wcom. You got them naked chicks on there, man. You go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Yeah, Devonte Cross, who is uh, going to Virginia, actually was was the starting quarterback, um, and he 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 put a perfect ball out just just over the over the shoulder for Miles Sanders, and he just he went up and he took it like over his head in midair and pulled it in, opening play for Pennsylvania touchdown, like twenty awesome. twenty thirty yards out. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that must have been that must have been fun. Any any other? big names that we should know about in there so there were some other players in the big 33 that uh uh are going to some big schools um particularly the offense for pennsylvania seemed seemed pretty loaded they had a they had a pretty solid looking tackle that i think was going to maryland um but a guy named cam brown was the mvp for the maryland side and he's an outside linebacker who was coincidentally also going to penn state oh look at that I know. Nice little showcase. So I, the, uh, I, was, I was glad I got to go. The Pennsylvania offensive tackle is going to Maryland, and the Maryland outside linebacker is going to Penn State. Isn't that something else, huh? <laughs> That's <laughs> it. So, but um, I think Blake mentioned this before. It was just it was the the Miles Sanders show. Miles Sanders show three touchdowns, MVP honors. He he looked so so quick and agile. Like his lateral quickness was was awesome to see. Uh, he totally lived up to all expectations. I, I think uh, I don't think he's got like uh, the body of of like a sec of Barkley yet. You know, I think Barkley's still going to be the feature back. I know he's already been quoted as saying like they're not. I'm not. They've already told me they're not they're not bringing me in to redshirt me. So I, I think he can play with Barkley in the same backfield. They they actually he lined up in the slot for almost half the game. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think he's gonna be and like I said, on that first play, he made an awesome catch and, and they ran him on a pass route right out of the backfield. And apparently the coaches basically told him, like, we're running a play for you. Play one, play number one. <laughs> this is this is your show. 
Who was so the was, last big running back to come out of Penn State? I'm, try, I'm just trying to uh, – I'm not trying to give you a hard time or anything. I'm just trying to rack through my brain. Was it Larry Johnson? The last big running back to come out of Penn State? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, they were good guys in college. Like Tony Hunt was good in college. Evan Royster was good in college. Um, but I'd say the last back that had like a lot of NFL success was, was probably Larry Johnson. Okay. And I remember Curtis Enos before him, right? Or was Curtis Enos after? Well, he technically, I mean, he didn't really produce that much in college, realistically. Well, he, or, um, he was in, a high draft NFL. pick for the, for, yeah, for the Bears. Bears, yep. yeah. Yeah, he didn't, you know, he was a linebacker originally, and, and Paterno flipped him to a running back. Look at that. I did not know that. Bring in the Penn State knowledge. It was Kai John Carter, Penn State. Hey, old man River, zip it or I'll break your hip. He, he was. He was. And I'll tell you, he would have been an amazing I'm NFL running myself. back if it weren't for his knee. Like, <laughs> if it weren't for the knee injuries, he, he would have, I think he had the talent to, to be a, a solid NFL player. Well, you know what his problem was? Drafted by the Bengals. <laughs> that's, that's all it takes, I guess. <laughs> all right. Well, now. Uh, I, got, I got my homerism out, man. You got I, your homerism good. out. We got all of your uh, Penn State All-Star games uh, you know, covered. Now let's talk about some of the coaching changes for the non-Power 5 conferences. All right. So the first one is Ball State. Pete Lambeau is gone, and they're going to Mike New who was the New Orleans Saints quarterback coach. What is going to be different at Ball State? Well, I mean, I think they're going to throw the ball a lot more than they did last year. And this is a good hire because Ball State had a freshman in Riley Neal last year who was a really good quarterback for them. And I think now with Mike Newin, who is a quarterback developer, it's going to help out Riley Neal, and he's going to be draftable this year. That's, that's that, a good point. I like that. That's exciting. You all, Anytime you take uh, you know a Sean Payton disciple away, I, I like it. Exactly. I like oh, it. Yeah. A lot of passing. <laughs> uh, Bowling Green, of course, goes from Dino Babers to Mike Jinks, running back coach at Texas Tech. Uh, Mike Jinks, actually, he was, a, he was a steel high school coach in Texas. He won state championships there and everything, and he developed Malcolm Brown from Texas. I know you know that guy, Bob. Malcolm. Oh, yeah. And he also uh, developed Tommy Armstrong Jr. and Justin Stockton from Texas Tech. So he's developed – power five players who have been stars for their team. I think this is a good hire for Bowling Green. They're going to run the ball, though, more this year. Uh, so it's not going to help James Knapp, and we're not going to see the usual Bowling Green offense. It's not going to be explosive like it was last year under Babers, who is known for his passing game. Georgia yeah, Southern, but you don't have Matt Johnson either. I mean, let's, right. let's be honest. It well, won't be clear. Which means it's a good year to transition. You know, oh yeah. If oh. you're gonna transition, you know, you want you want to transition when you have newer players in. You don't want to have you know a senior quarterback. Which I mean, it it can help you get wins, but it's not going to help you in the long run because he's going to be gone immediately, and you didn't you didn't get to train anybody. So Georgia Southern is going from Willie Fr- uh, Willie Fritz to Tyson Summers, the Colorado State defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, as far as Tyson Summers goes, that's not necessarily a good hire offensively, but they hired two offensive coordinators. One was at Valdosta State High School, and the other was at Valdosta University, where they ran a triple option game, the same thing Willie Fritz did at Georgia Southern. So I'm not going to see any, I don't expect to see any changes in the offense for Georgia Southern, which is good because they have a very valuable running back on their hands. Hawaii goes from Norm Chow to Nick Rolovich, the Nevada OC. I, I like this one for uh, Hawaii. I mean, 
you, you could list off half the quarterbacks Norm Chow has coached, and you would just like, holy <laughs> shit, how did he get fired? Right. But uh, but Nick Rolovich was there at Hawaii whenever Bryant Monitz broke all those NCAA passing records. He threw for over 5,000 yards. Um, we'll see. I mean, Hawaii doesn't have a quarterback in their stables that's going to show up or anything, but I still think it's a good hire for them. No Colt Brennan Jr.? No, no <laughs> Brennan Jr. Uh, I feel like uh, I feel like we could see him eventually. That's uh, that's how fast <laughs> these years are going, for God's sake. Uh, oh, yeah. Louisiana Monroe goes from Todd Berry to Matt Viator from McNeese State. So Matt Viator, uh, he's been at McNeese State for – he's been there for a while, and they ran a power run scheme. They have two running backs that are definitely going to get touches, but obviously, and fantasy-wise, that's not going to help you. But it means nobody for us. <laughs> <laughs> from a running back perspective, I would say so. But with the power run scheme, teams are going to have to load up the box. And they have two talented receivers and a Jalen Hawley, who I played peewee football with. Oh, yeah, he was he played running back. He was just and he's the best Jalen Hawley. I hope he's listening to this podcast. I doubt he is. But <laughs> <laughs> so I think this is going to help him and Marcus Green because teams are going to be loading the box, trying to stop the run. And these are two talented, talented receivers with a good quarterback. All right, North Texas goes from Dan McCarney to Seth Literal from UNC. He was the assistant head coach. Uh, this is he's been around. Uh, Seth Luttrell has. He's been to Arizona. He's been to Indiana. He's developed Nick Foles whenever he had his best season at Arizona. So I don't know exactly what to expect because I mean this is North Texas. But yeah, both, both of these teams, yeah, North Texas and Louisiana Monroe. They, there's not a lot in the cabinets for these right. guys. Um, I mean, Alec Morris, the Alabama transfer, is at North Texas, so it'll be interesting. I'm watching out for him just to see if he can blow up, because he might. Nice. So- Southern Miss goes from Todd Monken to Jay Hobson, the Alcorn State head coach. Uh, and uh, Jay Hobson is a defensive hire by all means necessary, but offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson was at Kentucky, and he learned under Dana Holgerson at West Virginia all about the air raid scheme. I don't see Southern Miss changing their offensive style at all, which is good because, I mean, they have a ton of players this year. Yeah, I think I actually I'll add to that. I think this is a, a pretty good hire for Southern Miss. I mean, it, they're, they're going to hurt with the loss of Monken, but Hobson was successful at Alcorn State in FCS, so I, I, he was successful there. I think he can he can bring a lot of – he's bounced around in a lot of big programs through the years, yes. and he's been at Southern Miss in the in the middle 2000s there as, as a defensive coach. Um, so it, it's a good fit. Blaze approves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Texas State goes from Dennis Francione to Everett Withers, the James Madison head coach. Wasn't he at James Madison forever? Actually, he was a quarterback's coach at Mississippi State for, recently for a little while. Uh, he developed Dak Prescott. Okay. So, And now they have Tyler Jones at Texas State, who is a really good quarterback for them. So this is a good hire. Everett Withers is good for Tyler Jones. Toledo's moving from Matt Campbell to Jason Candle, the Toledo OC last year. Yeah, I don't see anything changing from an offensive perspective for them. If anything, it'll be more offensive for the team. That'll help Kareem Hunt, their new quarterback. I, I like this hire for Toledo. UTSA, who always has tough defense, always plays tough defense, goes from Larry Coker to Frank Wilson, the LSU associate head coach and running back coach. 
Yeah, man. Frank Wilson has developed Stephen Ridley, Spencer Ware, Jeremy Hill. Uh, he touched on Fournette for a little bit. Um, phrasing? Phrasing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. But now he has, he has uh, Jarvian Williams is the UTSA running back. He's a senior this year. I can see value with him, uh, with Larry Coker now being the head coach. He's going he's gonna to make uh, Jarvian Williams the focal back in this offense. BYU goes from Bronco Mendenhall to Kalani Sataji, the Oregon defensive coordinator. He was at BYU for a while, too, but as defensive coordinator and touching on defense, I don't know what they're going to do offensively at BYU, partly because I don't know who the quarterback's going to be. So. Ty Detmer, man. Ty Detmer's the new offensive coordinator. So I, I think he's already come out and said that uh, he's going to change it into more of a pro-style offense. Didn't he? I think he threw a, a pass in their spring game too. I don't know why the hell I remember that, but <laughs> I just I, I didn't know about that though. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, it, big shift. Oh yeah. Is is it is it cool or is it a travesty that you know Ty Detmer doesn't have to pay for any drinks in Utah? But is there any county in Utah that's not dry? I was just going to ask that. Like, is <laughs> is there any benefit to having that happen? <laughs> right. Uh, I just can't see BYU being a big booze and tail college, but it is a college. <laughs> so it, all that there's stuff. There's boozing somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Th- there's booze and tail all over the place. Um, <laughs> all right, let's go to some schedule notes. We don't have. It's like ASU. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> 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 PBU. Uh, <laughs> schedule notes. Um, we we go we go to schedule notes. We don't have. I mean, we're not going to break down every team. Like we said, there's 52 teams. But uh, Notre Dame, we did want to point out, surprisingly easy schedule this year besides week one, right, Blake? Yeah, yeah. Everything sure. but week one, real easy. Man, didn't, didn't Notre Dame play Texas last year? And <laughs> we don't have to talk about that. <laughs> okay, that's, that's my answer. That right was there. in Notre Dame. All right, this is in Texas. It is at Texas. Well, that'll be a good one. But uh, <laughs> so, yeah, they have Texas at the beginning. Take that as you will. Um, <laughs> And then sure. they got Nevada next. And Nevada is defensively, they're okay, but we're talking about Notre Dame. They're chock full of talent. That'll be an easy win for them. So Michigan State and Virginia Tech are really the only games that I'm worried about. And Stanford, from a defensive perspective, that could stop Deshaun Kaiser and stop the running game from them. If I mean, besides that, though, it's all free game for Notre Dame players. So you feeling Kaiser? I don't know, man. I just – oh, we can get to that one later because I yeah. – really, Oh man, that's gonna be interesting. I, I'm definitely I'm on. Let the, the suspense build. Yes, uh, yes. Washington <laughs> State at Boise State, September 10th. Uh, Boise has Utah State on October 1st. Brett Rippon's worst game, uh, and played and he played without McNichols from last year was Utah State. I mean, what is the over in the Washington State Boise State game? It better be 80, 85, man. It's yeah. gonna be a shootout. I've got to go over 80, yeah. 85. Just imagine that game in overtime. Oh, the A would That's go record books. Yeah, <laughs> Jeremy McNichols would have ten touchdowns. I go. mean, another another schedule, um, you know, thing that I would I would want to add is that Southern Miss has a pretty pretty easy schedule this year. So I know they have a lot of question marks because of of losing the the, the depth at wide receiver that they had at the top, but. I think they're going to have a pretty a pretty easy an easy road besides the LSU game. It's a pretty winnable schedule. They they have the possibility of winning ten games, which could mean big numbers from Nick Mullins if he can find targets. Uh, big numbers and uh, 
you know, some if a wide receiver can pop up out of Southern Miss, you know, there's there's a possibility too. Let's go to some interesting stats. This one, uh, this one, uh, Couch will love. Appalachian State had 16 different players score a touchdown last year, and only four of those 16 graduated. I mean, talk about spread offenses. This is like, <laughs> this is the base of a spread offense right here. 16 different players with a touchdown. And I bet you, I think like five or six of them had one touchdown. This is like the VCU of college football. <laughs> there you go. I like it. I like that. <laughs> Where Shock is smart now. Texas. All right. All right. Yeah, what's he won there? Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Knock that off. Uh, Matt Brieta was by far the most effective running back in college football, averaging eight yards per carry. He had 123 yards per game and 17 touchdowns on the year. All that while four other players ran for over 500 yards on the team. This is what this is what I was alluding to with the co-offensive coordinators now at Georgia Southern. I think this will help Matt Breida. I mean, he was so productive last year. And Jeremy McNichols led the NCAA with 13.8 points per game. I mean, that's all you got to see right there is who's more important than anyone else on any college football team than Jeremy McNichols for Boise State. Richie James and Penny Hart, who I believe Penny Hart was a Blaze special. If I'm not, uh, if I'm remembering that correctly from last year, were some of the lowest recruited players in the country and came away with two of the biggest freshman seasons ever for non-power five players. I mean, they weren't even recruited as wide receivers; they were just recruited as athletes. And uh, one of them didn't even have two stars. He was a zero-star recruit on two forty-seven college football. Man, oh yeah, exactly. So I mean, they could even, they could bust this year. I don't think they will, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did, just because. It, it, it could be a fluky year for them, and it happens in non-Power 5. Sometimes these guys just come out come yes. out of nowhere. People are going to come out of nowhere. It's a guarantee. Was that right on that Penny Hart call, Blaze? Was that you? I'm Did trying you? to remember. I need to go back and look See, at old show Idaho sheets. Guy? Yeah. I don't even know what I ate today, man. <laughs> Penny Hart's Georgia State. Georgia State? Okay. Maybe I could I could be getting my heart strong. Could be a wrong heart. But, I, yeah. Richie James, I think, was the guy that I kept pumping for a while there. There in a good portion of the second half of the season. Okay, maybe I'm just getting the names mixed up then. Maybe just seeing these names together. I thought it was somebody from Idaho you were pumping last year, but I could be incorrect Ooh. on that. But uh, ho- hopefully not. Right? You don't want to be pumping Idaho players. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pump whatever I want. Phrasing. <laughs> Phrasing. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's going to get a lot of drops in this one, everybody. All right. We're going to go to the rankings for the non-Power 5, so strap in, everybody. All right. So, Blaze, I, I got your quarterback list up here. How deep do I go on these? More praising. Praising. Uh, <laughs> I'd go all the way. <laughs> praising. That's a great <laughs> More phrasing. Uh, no. Uh, uh, all right. I'll, I'll read them all off, and then we can I'll probably go out. down to, like, 15. Let's let's go, like, 15. 15's good? Yeah. No wonder. He wants to start at Idaho. <laughs> Matt That's Linehan from Idaho. Idaho. Alex Magoo from Florida International. Uh, Taysom Hill and Taylor Magnum from BYU. Tyler Jones from Texas State. Mike White from Western Kentucky. Ryan Higgins from Louisiana Tech. 
Logan Woodside, that's a good name, from Toledo. Uh, Chase Litton from Marshall. Cooper Rush from Central Michigan. Taylor Lamb from Appalachian State. Zach Terrell from Western Michigan. The Zaire-Kaiser uh, combo from Notre Dame, whoever comes away. Nick Mullins at Southern Miss. Brent Stockstill at Middle Tennessee State. And Brett Ripien, if you're Blaze, Ripen if you're anybody else from <laughs> Boise State. Let, let's start there with those two guys. Uh, Blaze, you have him one. Blake, you have Stock still number one. So let's talk about why uh, each one of you has these guys number one. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, so uh, Boise State, I, I'm looking for the, the growth, right? Uh, I'm looking for Ripon to settle in a little bit, um, to, to have a little more consistency now that he knows he's coming in as a starter for this season. Um, you know, last year he, he wasn't named the starter initially. He, he inherited the job eventually. Um, a little bit inconsistent. I, I think he can increase his completion percentages a little bit and – and just have a little bit better of a year. Stock still, I think, was a tiny bit of uh, overplaying, and I don't, I don't see him having as good of a year as he did last year from a numbers perspective. How close do you have him? They are still pretty close in my eyes. I, I kind of put the top three in a, a toss-up: Nick Bowen, Stock still, and, and Ripon, and I, and I kind of went back and forth multiple times and changed the order of all three of them. At one point, I had Mullins as the top quarterback in non-power five i think what i what i've said i think twice already is the the uncertainty of of the wide receiver position and are they maybe going to run the ball a tad bit more all right blake you got stock still over ripping why stock still i i think stock still has more upside i think his offense is more suited to the quarterback whereas boise state has a balanced offense and uh i mean i think ripping could have games where he just busts because McNichols is going to get the ball so much that they could blow out teams and Rippon just doesn't get the production because he doesn't have to. Whereas with uh, Brent Stockstill, he is the team this year. Like he's the guy. Uh, and I just think he has a lot more upside. He threw for 700 more yards than Rippon did. I think he had like 10 more touchdowns than Rippon did. So I like Rippon. I just think Stockstill has more upside and he's in a better offense. Are they close uh, with you as well? Oh, yeah, they're in the same tier. Like, there's tier one, but I just think Stockstill has more upside, and I'd rather have Stockstill on my team. Do you, um, do, do you agree with Blaze? Is, is Mullins close to that tier or in that tier? He's not in my tier one, no, and I'll explain why. I, I think, uh, I mean, Blaze said Southern Miss has a pretty easy schedule. I would go and say they don't because they play two SEC teams in their, in their non-conference schedule. And that, to me, that's two games where I'm not going to start Nick Mullins. Uh, I mean, he lost his top two players. And plus, I mean, Mullins, in 2014, he threw for 2,500 yards. And then the very next year, he threw for 4,000. And that just seems a little fluky to me. I think he could bust this year, losing all those players and all that production. So I'm, I'm iffy on Mullins this year. So moving down to number four on both your list, and you guys both have – you know, the Notre Dame quarterback. Uh, would you, Blake, you have Malik Zaire. For Blaze here, it says Zaire, Kaiser, whoever takes it. If if Kaiser was the uh, the starter, would he be the same at number four, Blake? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think they're both. Well, whoever starts is going to have, like, the exact same amount of production because they're pretty much the same quarterback, and it's crazy. I was, I was listening to uh, the Sports Illustrated College Football Podcast, and they had on the guy who was covering Notre Dame. He's covered Notre Dame 
since 2001. So that's 15 years. And he said that he would lean towards Kaiser starting. He said they're both probably going to get time, which will probably hurt both of them. But he, you know, dude's been covering the team for 15 years, and he's leaning towards Kaiser. So for right now, if I'm drafting today, that's what I've heard most recently, so that's who I would go with. Okay, um, I would I would trust in him too, and I would say Kaiser then. Honestly. It's so risky. I'm not I'm not really yeah. going to look to draft either of them just because of that situation. I think the only way I'm looking at drafting them is if they come out because I know Zaire is not happy about the fact that it is kind of an open competition that he didn't just come back healthy and and they said okay you, the job's yours again because of Kaiser's year he had last year. So does ego play into it if they come out and uh, for the beginning of the season they say Kaiser's the guy? Does Zaire transfer right away? Right. I think he would. I think he should, honestly. He should transfer because Kaiser's younger than him. He's going to mm-hmm. be longer than Zaire, so he should get out of there. Well, I mean, okay, so if that doesn't happen, though, are you more willing to take guys like Zach Terrell and Cooper Rush and Taysom Hill and, and Tanner Mangum, those, those guys, because the situation is unsettled? Yes, I would much rather have Zach Terrell or Taysom Hill. Or, I mean, not Taysom Hill. I'd rather have, like, Drew Hare or Zach Terrell than Malik Zaire or Dijon Kaiser. Okay. Because uh, you guys both have Zach Terrell next from Western Michigan, and we already touched on him a little bit. Um, just you think a lot more the same from Zach Terrell this season, right? Oh, absolutely. It's all the same. Weapons are back, right? He's got the two running two, re, two well, running backs that are back, Jamari Bogan and, and Jarvion Franklin. He's got... Corey Davis back. I mean, he lost Braverman, though, man. Braverman caught over 100 passes last year. So that's like half the passing offense right there. But He did. Carrington but, Thompson is, is yes. who I'll throw out. I was about to allude to that right there. So He's I think understudy. There's replacements in hand for Terrell to succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Senior year, too. Yes, yes. So after, after Terrell... It gets fishy. These lists get really <laughs> different. So, uh, Blaze, why don't you start us off and talk about some of the other other quarterbacks you want to cover from the non-Power 5 schools. Okay, yeah. I, I see Chase Litton as a guy that, that could show some growth this year if some skill players step up for Marshall. They they had a, a rough go last year from a skill position standpoint. Um, but I think Litton can show some growth this year and, and turn into a good quarterback. Marshall's still a good team. So I, I think that's a guy that, that I'm willing to maybe take a flyer on as uh, like my last quarterback pick in our, in our key, in our um, listener league, maybe see if he pans out. Another guy is Mike white from Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky is still got the chance to be the best team in conference USA and it's going to take one of these quarterbacks to step up, either him or Tyler Ferguson. From everything I've I've heard, Mike White is is leading the way now that Nelson Fishback tore his pectoral muscle. Uh, he was the backup last year to Dowdy, so Mike White transfers in from USF, where he he wasn't successful necessarily, but he he came with with some recruiting hype. Um, another another guy I would say is is right there is Cooper Rush as well and and Taylor Lamb and it's the offensive systems that they're playing in mostly right we we touched on a little bit with Appalachian State for Taylor Lamb 
Yeah. How about you, Blake? Um, you got some of the same guys in there. You have Litton and Cooper Rush. Uh, but you also have Drew Hare. Uh, you've got Ryan Higgins, Taysom Hill. Let, let's hear about some of these guys. Well, I mean, I really like Drew Hare. I mean, I know he tore his Achilles, but I've been reading reports on him, and he is on track to be ready for uh, for by August, I believe. So that's good. Uh, and he is definitely starter-friendly. <clears throat> and some other guys that I'm looking forward to are, like, the Georgia State quarterback, whoever's going to replace Nick Arbuckle. I believe it's going to be Connor Manning, who transferred from Utah. Georgia State's offense was dynamite last year. I mean, Nick Arbuckle threw for over 4,000 yards. So I would like to see – I'd like to see Connor Manning start for Georgia State because that he has a lot of potential. And uh, another guy is Matt Linehan from Idaho. I mean, he only threw for 2,500 yards, but he, I think he ran for 800, and he had over 30 to- total touchdowns. So Matt Linehan is definitely a guy I would draft. And then, I mean, there's a ton of value. Like, Chase and Virgil from Fresno State is a – a uh, freshman in Fresno State's implementing a spread offense. I think he has potential. Thomas Woodson from Akron has a ton of potential as well. And uh, I mean, what what uh, Blaze was alluding to with Mike White transferring, I think he has potential at Western Kentucky. I didn't even know Fishback Tours pectoral. All right, guys, is there anybody else that I mean? There's so many schools to go through. Is there anybody else? that you're kind of side-eyeing you want to put on your watch list anybody else i got jason driscoll from florida atlantic he is jeff driscoll's brother but uh he played a little bit last year he had like three 300 yard games he's got a lot of potential at florida atlantic and he's a guy i'm gonna look forward to at the end of the draft anybody else Mm. plays um you know dalton sturm from Texas San Antonio, maybe uh, a plug and play guy. You you can see when they when they play some weaker competition. I, I'm not sure if if they have FCF schools on their schedule this year, but he had a couple games last year that that were off the charts a bit. So UTSA likes to schedule hard. Like, they do. They, they they played Texas and they had shut Texas out for the first half of the game. I, it was either last year, or the year before that, but I remember. They played LSU too. I remember, get the exposure, yeah. Exposure, man. Yeah, yeah, and they played Arizona, and I think didn't they beat Arizona? I think uh, they, they got beat, close. I think they either beat or I think Arizona came back at the very end. But I remember I had a new Solomon, and I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" Playing UTSA. <laughs> yeah, but it's it. They do schedule some hard games, but because they they get to play teams like North Texas. Yeah. Right. So true. North Texas Stern put up a big game. Rice, he had a big game. Louisiana Tech, he put up a pretty big game. Old Dominion. And when they played Texas, I can tell you that that was their very first game. They When they schedule hard, they like to schedule hard for game one so you can spend the entire offseason prepping for that team. Mm-hmm. So if you beat that team, you know, it, it's, it's just like when Appalachian State beat Michigan. You know, they spent the whole offseason – Prepping yeah, but that, that put game. them on the map, man. Like, if you think about it in terms of that, that like paved the way for their entry into FBS. That that was just like that gave them national exposure, right? Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's what UTSA is. Uh, All know, it takes is that one signature win, right? Right. You know, you beat a Texas, you beat TCU, or you beat you know whoever they have early this year. I'm sure they have another tough one really early. 
and uh, and you get some exposure and you get recruits that way. And you know, I mean, come on, you guys still remember who was quarterbacking Appalachian State, don't you? <laughs> yep, I think I do. I think I remember. Uh, uh, let's hear it. Uh, I don't know. A name can't come to mind. Oh, but, come yeah. on, come on, give me the name. Somebody give me the name. Blaze. I don't have it, man. Armonte Edwards. Wow. Played yeah, wide receiver I, for the Panthers. For wow. Time. Really? Yep. Look at that knowledge right there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to running backs and running backs. Oh, boy. Whew, it, there <laughs> is a lot here. So let's start Josh Adams, former president of the United States, uh, <laughs> Notre Dame, 23. Uh, Jarvian Franklin, 22. Fred Coppett, Bowling Green, 21. Terry and Folston, also Notre Dame, 20. Jamal Williams, who I completely forgot about, is at 19. Alex Gardner's at 18. Joel Bonin at 17. Terry and Gibson from New Mexico at 16. Jamari Bogon from West, Western Michigan, 15. Jacoby Owens from Air Force, 14. Ray Lawry, 13. Elijah McGuire, Louisiana Lafayette, 12. James Butler from Nevada at 11. Leon Allen from Western Kentucky, 10. Aaron Jones from UTEP, 9. Kareem Hunt, 8 from Toledo, first rounder last year. Brian Hill from Wyoming at 7. Marcus Cox from Appalachian State at 6. Matt Brieta from Georgia Southern at 5. Ito Smith from Southern Miss at 4. Larry Rose, the third, from New Mexico at 3. Donnell Pumphrey, 2. Jeremy McNichols, 1. We talked about McNichols and we talked about Pumphrey. So we've already kind of gone over earlier in the show where McNichols is a top five and Pumphrey is probably a top 12-ish uh, or a first-rounder in 12-team leagues. And is there anything else to add to those guys? I mean, just draft the hell out of them if you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Larry Rose the third. How good is Larry Rose? Man, Larry Rose is still first-round talent if we were doing a 20-team league. Like, I have my big board, and I have Larry Rose at 14 overall. Overall. Wow. Yes. Blaze, do you think you're going to be – you haven't made your – big board yet but do you think you're going to be that high on you have ito smith ahead of larry rose and we know you like ito mm-hmm. smith. are you going to be that high on ito smith probably not okay um, I, I think this the thing that scares me with larry rose is touchdowns and that's yes. just new mexico state right i, I would agree the lack of touchdowns um he's he's gonna put up yardage but i'm not sure that he's gonna put up the touchdowns to put him in into a tier with with guys like mcnichols and and pumphrey so almost like a more skilled Jackson from Northwestern, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How high would you put Ito Smith? Because you have Ito Smith ahead of Larry Rose. I do, but not much. I, I don't. Okay. I, I think there's a, and that's where I said, you know, earlier, Ito Smith has the the chance to maybe step up into that top tier if if they lean on him a little bit more. But uh, I, I still think it's it's probably pretty close between him and Larry Rose. Okay. Now, after those top four guys, the list become very, very different. So I'm going to do the same thing I did with the quarterbacks. Blake, uh, take it away f- with your running backs. We'll give you a little while to talk about your guys. And then, Blaze, you can talk about your running backs. And uh, then maybe we can talk about the, the differences that you guys have in them. So, Blake, take mm-hmm. it away. Okay. Well, first of all, I got to give some love to my Wyoming running back, Brian Hill. Uh, I had him in my top 40 last year, and y'all gave me a bunch of shit. 
because I had a Wyoming guy. <laughs> in I want you to find the clip. Prove it. <laughs> so, uh, no, uh, I, I specifically remember giving him uh, for having, <laughs> well, first of all, Brian Hill is the most boring name in college football. There's so many guys with so many greater names. <laughs> and he's from Wyoming. Like, you can't have a more boring pick than that, right? I agree, but I mean, <laughs> he produced a lot last year. It doesn't I mean, matter he, what your name is. Just go out there and it matters what your stats are. <laughs> well, he had he only had six touchdowns, and I mean, that's why he's a little bit lower. But he had 1,600 yards. He averaged six yards per carry. He's he's dynamite for Wyoming. And 281 he's, carries, too. So Yeah, exactly. No 300 doubt. overall touches. I mean, he's going to produce. And he was only a sophomore last year. So, But enough of Brian Hill. Um, I I think Leon Allen is more of a projection just because Anthony Wales came in last year after Leon Allen broke his leg and he produced really well. I just think Leon Allen's the better back and he should start. But Matt Breida and Marcus Cox are two guys I'm definitely buying. Uh, Matt Breida is more of in a, a, a triple option game, so there's other running backs that could vulture from him. But, man, he, like I said, in the interesting stats, he averaged eight yards per carry, and he had 17 touchdowns. He's still a top five running back in non-power five, in my opinion. So I think the problem with these running backs is people are going to value guys like Jamari Bogan and Jarvie and Franklin high, but I don't think you should because they're going to split carries. And that's, that's the problem is you need to buy guys like Brian Hill or Aaron Jones from UTEP, who are the focal point of their offense. I mean, their quarterbacks are going to throw for less than 2,000 yards because they're going to give the ball to the back. I like your call out of Aaron Jones there, Blake. I, I have him at number five. I think he's going to have a big bounce back year this year. Uh, he did get charged with a DWI in February, so that's we'll, we'll have to see what that's plays out. Half, right? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> apparently it, it's not as cut and dry and there there could be a possibility of of it not standing okay. um obviously it, it's not as easy to find coverage on things like that i saw something just going off track just a little bit i saw something today that a kid could not transfer into the sec because of some rules of a he had a dui or a reckless driving or something that got thrown out, but because of the some X rule, he couldn't transfer into the SEC, and his whole plan was to go to uh, Kentucky or Vanderbilt or some, somewhere. I can't remember where it was. But wow. Now, now he's going to have to find a whole new school. So it's just strange. you know. Uh, uh, just another thing, I mean, we've kind of beat it to death, but we really wish there would be some type of uniform code. You know, transfer rule, yeah. Well, transfer, transfer rules are just ridiculous, but I just mean for punishments. Oh, know? okay, yeah, that uh, too. Definitely. You know, just uh, you get a DUI, it's three games or one game or you know, a half a game. Whatever. I mean, how it much is. did we talk Make about what Tyler Boyd's suspension was going to be last year right. and, and how much it impacted where you were going to draft him? Another guy is going to be ruined by the Bengals, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, just uh. <laughs> You know, it, it, it's a it's a big deal uh, for us playing, you know, I mean, and how much does a boat DUI get you? Is that the same as a regular DUI? <laughs> does anybody care if it's a kicker? You know, these uh, are things we need to know. I think the answer to both of those questions was it it's a kicker. So <laughs> so no.
Okay, we're not telling anybody it even happened, but we're going to suspend him for three games. <laughs> no press. All right. Yeah. All right, so go ahead with, with some running backs, please. I'm sorry. Get us off That's track. okay. That's okay. I, uh, I, I'm going to jump next to uh, Kareem Hunt, who I'm – I mean, the talent is there, and, and he had such a big year two years ago, and everybody was expecting him to, to be huge last year. They didn't want to wear him down, so they they did – He's not the the only ball carrier in the in the Toledo backfield, and Toledo's a good team. But I'm hoping that Kareem Hunt can have a big year again this year and and turn into what everybody thought he might have been last year. Um, well, uh, he had a DUI at the beginning of the year too. That really screwed up his entire season. I feel like it, it did. Yeah, it's true too. So maybe he's earned the trust of everybody back, and and he's the feature carrier again. But. Uh, so, so here's a name for you, Bogman. Jamal Williams from BYU. <laughs> Blast from the past. Yeah, of course, I draft Jamal Williams uh, year one. Uh, what did, he, did he break his leg or did he quit tore playing? Tore his ACL, right? Yeah, tore his ACL. I thought he was gone. Like when we were prepping for the show, I was like, I saw Jamal Williams on the list. I was like, isn't he gone? Didn't he? He's he was back. Gonna leave, and then now he's back. That kid is back on the escalator again. So, yeah, he, he did. He left he left school, but he is he back. He school to like become an actor or something weird. Wasn't it something strange? It was something strange, but I cannot remember if it was academic or something like okay, that. Okay, you guys you guys talk about it. I'm gonna Google it and see if I can find it. Google away. <laughs> but yeah, I Jamal Williams is back. He's I, I, I think he's healthy. I think for BYU, that's that's a huge boost. Algernon Brown is is going to move into more of a fullback role. Jamal Williams turns into the feature back, and I think that could be huge for fantasy. Um, it was funny, you know, Blake talked about Leon Allen. I agree that Leon Allen might be the better back, but I don't I don't think you can dismiss what Anthony Wales did last year for Western Kentucky. Um, I have Anthony Wales valued a little higher, but. It's it's kind of a toss up between the two of them. I think whoever whoever gets the the lion's share of carries is is going to put up good numbers that are going to be relevant for fantasy. Matt Breda, I'm a little scared about though. Um, I look at that uh, option offense, and we talked uh, Justin Thomas, the from Georgia Tech, the quarterback from Georgia Tech. We we expected the same type of production last year that he put up two years ago, and it just the magic wasn't there, and and when you run an option offense like that, it you're running the ball on passing downs. So like third and long, you're still going to try and run the ball, and they were successful in in some of those situations last year. And I don't know if that's a luck factor, or if it's a skill factor, if another year of defenses getting to prep for this for this look is going to change things but i don't i don't see georgia southern and breda having quite as good of a year as they did last year you think their overall production just dips because i mean you could say say. okay because i mean la ramsey he had 165 carries last year so he could definitely vulture for matt breda i just think the overall like production of that entire offense might take a, a dip a little bit. Hey man, triple option is so hard to implement. It really is. Yeah, without a doubt. Actually, I'm going to throw in one more guy too. Alex Gardner, PPR specialist for Florida <laughs> yes. International. Definitely. Let the team in receiving or uh, re- receptions. Very nice. Uh, so 
the the basic rundown of what I, I found on Jamal Williams was he left after the injury for personal reasons. I think he was upset that he didn't recover fast enough from the injury to come right back. And mm. uh, then he came back to school, but he couldn't come back to the program, so they basically redshirted him his senior year. So he got a redshirt senior year, so that's why he gets to come back this year. At least that's what I read. I don't know if that's correct or not. Hey, so, either got- way, he's back, and I think he's going to have a big year. I like him. I like him. He's definitely not a talent. huge year, right? But but I mean, he he's going to be relevant. Third or fourth back on your team, yeah, for sure. Um, wasn't Torine? I feel like you guys are low on Falston. I don't know why. I, mean, I just wasn't he big? carries with Josh Adams is, is what, what it comes to- down to for me. I yeah. I think it's they're just going to evenly split carries. Yeah, I wanted to break that down because Josh Adams is super talented. He's the leading returning on kickoffs. He can line up at receivers, so he's their utility back. And I just don't see Falston taking a majority of the carries. Like I think they're going to split it because Adams is more talented in my opinion. So, And I think it's also very similar with Western Michigan, Jamari yes. Bogan and Jarvion Franklin. Both could be lead backs. Jarvion Franklin was two years ago. But Adam. the emergence of Bogan – last year and the fact that franklin kind of tailed off towards the end of the season two years ago he i I don't know if it was just burnout from the season if it was them realizing that he burned out so they're spreading carries a little bit more evenly it 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 kind of sucks for you know fantasy sports it's obviously more effective for the team on the field but uh we don't want to see that it says Josh Adams, and I read Josh Adams, but in my brain it says John Adams. I don't know why, and that's why I said former president of the United States, John Adams. <laughs> and it's Josh. I just always imagine him running with a wig on, you know, like that that, uh, <laughs> that George Washington, you know, John Adams wig. I don't know why, but it says Josh Adams right in my front of my face. I don't know why I said that, but uh, it's because I'm a big dummy. So, all right, so – we have the basics of running backs down. Now give us some of these possible guys you're keeping an eye on, kind of like we did for the quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, we could go all day on the running backs because there's so many guys with shots. But let, let's uh, let's keep it to three. How about three other running backs that you're keeping an eye on, at least for the long term? Blake, let's start with you. So I have Joel Bognon from Northern Illinois all the way down at 17. But, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's a starting running back almost every single week. Uh, I think he had over 1,200 yards last year, but he got injured. So, I mean, Northern Illinois had a ton of injuries last year, and they still finished uh, the season on – no, they, actually, they didn't finish the season on top. But, anyways, Bognon – I like that one. Either, I, I like it, Blake. I mean, I have him low, but that's just because of how deep the running back class is. Bogdan is definitely starter friendly. Uh, and I have him at 13, actually. Right. So I, I like it. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just as good as like Ray Lawry or James Butler from Nevada. So um, another guy that I'm really looking forward to is Jordan Johnson from Buffalo. I have him all the way down at 26, but I mean, I'm still going to look for him as a waiver wire pickup, as a plug and play or a backup if, I mean, there's a run on running backs early. And I guess my third guy would be Warren Ball from Akron. Uh, Warren Ball transferred from Ohio State. So it's Ohio State talent in Akron. 
And uh, I mean, he could be the feature back and he could run for, you know, 1500 yards. That's how the power, the non-power five works. People transfer in and they produce for a year and then they go back to the power five. Man, so Warren Ball over any Texas Tech wide receiver for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, All right, Blake, give give us your guys. Who are you uh, side-eyeing and and looking possibly down the line a little bit at as far as these running backs from the the non-Power 5 go? Yeah, Blake mentioned him. Um, Ray Laurie from from Old Dominion had a couple big weeks. I think I look for the same type of thing this year. He, he's still a really talented running back, he, but he plays at Old Dominion, unfortunately. So I think he's somebody you can exploit for some matchups here and there. Oh, yeah. um, Johnston White from Arkansas State could end up having a little bit more of an impact this year. Uh, they... They had like a three-headed monster at running back last year, and um, you know that it thins out a little bit because Michael Gordon is no longer there, who was who actually had the most carries out of all of them, and Freddie Knighton is, is no longer there, who also actually had 138 carries. So Johnson White, I think, could end up stepping up a little bit and and having more of an impact this year. He had 14 touchdowns last year on only 99 carries. Average in six yards a carry. So if he gets a little more attention, he could he could end up having a bigger year. Okay, any more or just those two? Oh, my God. Like, that was a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even see this guy, Johnson. Man. Um, I, I, I would throw out, uh, you know, Marquise Young from UMass maybe. Uh, UMass obviously losing a lot. He's one guy that they do have back. They could they could lean on him very heavily. Yeah, that's a lot of loss. I mean, uh, Sharp and Front Apple um, are, are big big chunks for UMass. So, um, one more guy. Nah. I know, I know, I know. No, you're so done, man. You're out. <laughs> so many running backs. Uh, Khalif Phillips from Charlotte. Charlotte just got into the to the uh, D1 last year. So, I mean, they kind of struggled. I mean, obviously, this is their first year. But Khalif Phillips is very talented. He's their best player, and he's a good plug-and-play guy. All right. That's, I mean, there's that <laughs> a enough. lot of running backs, a lot <laughs> of running backs. And what I would suggest for those of you who are separating out, we are going to have a running backs only show. So come back for that one, and we'll get you set on all of your running backs then. But uh, but it's a lot to go over now and more to go over. We're going to move on to wide receivers. Blaze, should I just read the whole list? Uh, you could probably start at, at like 20 and go up from 20. Well, okay, yeah, because I was going to say 19. I have to read his name. Oh, my gosh. So, good luck. All right. <clears throat> 20 is Jalen Williams from UMass. Uh, replacing Taji Sharp. We know all about that. Uh, okay, number 19. Okay. Equanimous St. Brown. Swerverton L. Gooding Splat, Saskatchewan University. Equanimous. Equanimous. Or Equanimous. Panned. Pam. 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 Panned. The go to. Panned in From Notre Dame. So. Good luck with that, announcers, because Notre Dame gets on TV every single Taking week. a flyer on that one. All right. Uh, Kayvon Mebon from Ball State. Maven. Maven. Kayvon Maven. Yeah, even though it's 
M-E-B-O-N, and I'm used to Cameron Maven from the Tigers, M-A-Y-B-I-N. I think it's actually M-A. Don't make excuses, man. Do your job. I can't I can't pronounce them. All right, all right. I uh, can't uh, do it. I like I like these guys though. Cody Thompson from Toledo at 17. <laughs> Nicholas Norris from Western Kentucky. Corey Robertson. Oh man, these names get boring. I love it. <laughs> from Southern Miss. Thomas Owens from Florida International. Justin Hunt from Marshall. Tory Hunt Jr. from Notre Dame. Carrington Thompson from Western Michigan. Ronnie Moore from Bowling Green. Devontae Boyd from UNLV. Penny Hart from Georgia State, Ken Galladay from Northern Illinois, Taewon Taylor from Western Kentucky, DJ Thompson from Southern Miss, Trent Taylor from Louisiana Tech, Richie James from Middle Tennessee, Thomas Spurback from Boise State, and Corey Davis from Western Michigan. Oh, all right. Real top heavy. So, yeah. So let's start with Corey Davis. How high on Corey Davis overall do you guys think? I have him at 16 overall right now. So first round talent. First round for our league, which is 20 rounds or 20 yes. people. Blake? I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going that high with him. Would you put him in the top two rounds in our 20 man? Yeah, he's I would put him second round. Yeah, second so round. So he looks like he's a borderline late first, early second round pick in our giant league. That's what that's where I think is good value for him. Yeah, definitely. Okay. What were what were his numbers last year just so we get a baseline on these guys? Yeah, so he had 89 catches for 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns. Uh just for comparison, uh Daniel Braverman, his teammate, had 108 catches for 1300 yards and 13 touchdowns. So pretty similar yardages, pretty equal amount of touchdowns. Braverman just came up with about 20 more catches than him. But Davis is such a physical freak that he's, he's the going, yeah, he's the he, big playmaker wide receiver. Braverman was more the slashing type wide receiver. He was the Wes Welker and Corey Davis is like the Randy Moss for all intents and purposes. Uh, huh? The Western Michigan version. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> I don't want to call anybody Randy Moss. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, I just I know, I that know. actually. I can't believe I just did that. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So Corey Davis and then you guys both have him first. Obviously a very high pick wherever he goes. And then number two is Thomas Spurback from Boise State. Um, how close is he to Corey Davis? I think he's pretty close. Like he is the top of the second round for me, honestly. Yeah, Spurbeck Spurbeck is also pretty close. Like I mean, I talked about it with with Rippin. Is I think there's going to be some growth from him, and Spurbeck is is the main beneficiary, being the number one uh, receiver in the offense. Um, he, he, he's going to be good this year. He's going to be close to Corey Davis. All right, Richie James. I mean, he is in an offense that's just going to help him out, honestly. With Brent Stock still at quarterback, uh, Richie James is – I mean, he was the leader on the team last year, and he was a freshman. He caught the most passes for the most yards. I think he had the most touchdowns as well. 107 so, catches. Yeah, I mean, as a freshman who was recruited as an athlete. So I just I think Richie James is going to have a big year. He has the most potential, I believe, out of these guys. He actually had 158 rushing yards on 13 carries and a rushing touchdown on top of 107 catches. <laughs> tons That's of incredible. Value. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tons of value. Uh, 
okay, so uh, but it's hard to imagine those guys producing much more. Like if anything, right. like he's not going to outproduce 107 catches. He, he maybe matches that. 1300 yards is pretty steep. Maybe he gets a little bit more. It's the touchdowns where where Richie James could really make a jump. Yeah, it's uh, you guys have the the top three guys as the same. Blake, it looks like you put Penny Penny Hart uh, in that top tier group. Uh, how how far away is he from those top three guys? I would say Penny Hart and Richie James are in the same category, and um, just a little bit lower than Spurbeck and Davis. But I still think they they could get drafted in the second round, and it wouldn't be crazy. All right, and then Blaze, you changed it up. You go with Trent Taylor at four. Yeah. Uh, Corey Davis, Spurbeck, and Richie James are, are in a tier of their own for me. And I, I, just the preference of quarterback and running back over wide receiver, I'm not looking at any of those three guys until the second round, but those are those are juicy second-round picks. Um, More then I think it's a – Ooh, real juicy and moist. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. I feel dirty. I'm going to go take a shower. I'll be back. (laughs) Uh, Beyond those guys, though, yeah, Trent Trent Taylor had a big year last year for Louisiana Tech. Yes, it was with with Jeff Driscoll, but I still think he can have a a very similar year of production. the guy that I really think is is going to be a make or break for Nick Mullins is DJ Thompson. Somebody has to replace that production. Nick Mullins is going to be throwing the ball. DJ Thompson could be the guy that steps up. But there's still a tier below that top three. Man, this gets this gets tough because, like, you, you know, we were we were deeper, I think, in, in running backs being close to each other, but. Uh, the running backs or the wide receivers, I mean, get a little bit tossed up in the air. I mean, you guys both have Tywan Taylor uh, pretty high. You guys Again, both have very dependent six. on Mike White, right? What is Mike White going to give us from Western Kentucky if he even ultimately ends up winning the job? His and value is very much tied to what happens with the quarterback position. And you guys both have Kenny Galladay at seven, so maybe we're a little closer than I thought. Um, I would say Penny Hart, right? I have him at eight, and Blake sees him having a much bigger year. I right. don't, I don't see him having as big of a year. I think he's a very good player, but uh, he's more wide receiver three ish for me. Uh, I just want to hit on Kenny Galladay because he has so much potential. Because I mean, when you think of Northern Illinois, you do not think of the passing game, but North, uh, but Kenny Galladay had thirteen hundred yards last year and fourteen touchdowns. He is the wide receiver one in that offense, and he is talented. He transferred into the program. He's got NFL talent, I think, and I'm, I want Kenny Galladay on my team. And Blake has DJ Thompson at eight, who, I mean, I think it goes along with what you're talking about with um, with Nick Mullins, right? Yeah. It, it's just a little bit of you're not you're not as trusting yet with with Nick Mullins. And that's why you have him lower than Blaze has him. Um, all right, so I'll, I'll hand this over to you guys again, and, and Blaze will start with you this time at the wide receivers. So you go from you go from Penny Hart to Corey Davis, and then give us give us the rest of your guys that you're looking at. Yeah, so Carrington Thompson, somebody's got to step up into that. Um, you know that I, I guess it's a Z receiver in the Western Michigan offense. Uh, 
to replace Daniel Braverman, and I think Carrington Thompson's going to be the player that steps up. I'm looking at Justin Hunt from Marshall, and I talked about Chase Litton a little bit earlier about him taking steps and improving this year. I think Justin Hunt is the main beneficiary of that. Um, another guy I look at, Torrey Hunter Jr., Right, we saw him make some crazy catches, but uh, can he step up for a Notre Dame team that, uh, without William Fuller, is looking pretty pretty shallow at wide receiver? We don't know who's going to step up for these quarterbacks. Whoever the quarterback is, I mean, isn't Notre Dame is just like the depth that they have? Oh, absolutely! Not week one. Kind of hurts, man. <laughs> Not week one. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm actually excited about. Uh, about Torrey Hunter Jr. You know, I I had Will Fuller last year, and he's a lot of fun to watch. So, um, you know, somebody replacing that deep threat, uh, I'm really interested in. Yeah, so, I mean, another guy I'll throw out there, too, is Devontae Boyd from UNLV. Um, being in an offense, you know, it's UNLV. When when you're somebody as good as Devontae Boyd, you're, you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of looks. And uh, I see him having a, a good year as well. And I see him actually putting up very similar numbers to Penny Hart. Blake Blake obviously is much higher on Penny Hart, but I, I mean I love Georgia State's offense. That's why I'm high on Penny Hart. And plus, yeah. I think Connor Manning's going to come in and do the same thing Nick Arbuckle did. All right, so let's get some of your guys, Blake. Who do you want to talk about it on your wide receivers? So one guy is as <clears throat> Jerome Lane from Akron. He we talked about him during the bowl preview podcast. He was a linebacker converted wide receiver. He's the number one receiver in this offense. He didn't have over a thousand yards, and I'm not saying go out there, you know, draft him as a starter. But he's a good plug and play guy. Um, so I'm, I like Jerome Lane this year. I like the Devonte Boyd call out Blaze. He's he's just like Jerome Lane. He's in a poor offense, but he's the number one receiver, and he's a good plug and play guy. And uh, I think Levante Bellamy from Western Michigan is more suited to the Daniel Braverman role of a slot receiver. That you know, he's a route runner. Uh, Bellamy was recruited as an all-purpose back, so he has a lot of talent out in the open field, and I think he has potential in this Western Michigan offense. So I like him a lot. So Kevin Mabin from Ball State, he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to. He's the number one wide receiver in this offense who's looking to pr- improve this year with uh, with Mike New as head coach, Riley Neal at quarterback. There's a lot of potential here, and I really like Kevin Mabin. He's got talent. I, I would draft him, and then Are you serious with it's Kevin. It's Kevin. I mean, Kayvon. I'd say Kevin because it looks like Kevin to me, but it's probably Kayvon. <laughs> okay, I mean, because it's. I mean, I mean look, if you're not looking at it, capitalized kind it's of for K E V capitalized O N N N N N Kevon. Kevon. It looks like Kevon. Yeah, or Kevon. I don't know. Panned. It's it's my southern accent. I like to make everything simple and. So it's my Kevin may have been in his rapport. Right, there you I go. You. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah, Kevin Maybon from Ball State. That's a guy I like. And Chaz Anderson from Boise State. I, I mean, Boise State's going to air it out. Not a lot, but Chaz Anderson is the second receiver. Thomas Burbeck's going to get a lot of double teams. And Chaz Anderson's another plug and play guy. So, those are my guys I'm looking forward to. I mean, at the end of the day, we can we can make some estimations here, um, but I think beyond that that first you know group, you know that top ten area, there's probably going to be players. I mean, there's a lot of position battles right now 
going on that, that right. there's going to be players that maybe when we get closer to the season actually starting, we'll, we'll be able to identify some more players. But uh, it, it gets murky after the top ten. And that's I mean, why we do the wide receiver show. You know, we, we do position shows. Yeah, no, this is of, a lot of fun going through the conferences. Right. I mean, this is your base. Because we, we did not get this deep last year. Right. This is your base. This is, uh, you know, stuff to go into the season kind of knowing. And then you get more and more right. knowledge as the year goes on. So We're just stuffing the turkey. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we just we're preheating the oven right now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. My mouth is watering so much. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to talk about on wide receivers? I would just say, like Blake said, it's really top heavy. So after you get past that top ten, like after you get past Torrey Hunter Jr., you're you're gonna look back to the Power Five for your teams if you're including the non-Power Five conferences. Yeah, you want you want Cal wide receivers at Definitely. that point. So yeah, I, I I get you on that. All right, well let's go to the most depth of anything here. <laughs> Tight ends. I can't believe this. Blake, you've got nine listed. All draftable. I'm just going to read them all off. There and you go. I love number nine, badass name, Alizé Jones from Notre Dame. Are you kidding me? Awesome name. <laughs> uh, number eight, Barrett Burns from Appalachian State. Seven, Ryan Yorichick from Marshall. Uh-uh. Not going to do it, please? Come on. Uh-uh, Yorichick. Yorichick. Uh, six, Terry <laughs> Pettis from Middle Tennessee. We are five years old. Uh, Jake Rowe, five, from Boise State. Keith Rucker from Georgia State, four. Gerald Everett from Southern Alabama, or South Alabama, I mean, at three. Two, Deion Watson from Idaho. Idaho players showing up. And number one, Ben McCord from Central Michigan. So let's talk about tight ends and draftable tight ends. That You know, half the reason for putting non-Power 5 teams in the group is to get some decent damn tight ends because they are worthless all over the place they really are but i mean i'm looking ben mccord Dion watson jake rowe ryan yurichek are all guys that i i mean the, i'm after jake butt and jordan leckett and jalen samuels all those guys are next they are right there with them yeah blaze you got a couple extras you got johnny smith who uh was big last year from florida international billy freeman from san jose state and, um, yeah, then the rest, you know, Alice A. Jones. I just like saying his name. So, uh, so, all right. So let's talk about how you would list the tight ends then. I mean, obviously, tight end is not deep. So, Blaze, do you agree that it is some form of Jalen Samuels, Jake Butt, and Jordan Leggett, and then these guys? Hmm. Man, it, it's just like it's such a shot in the dark. To be quite honest with you, with with the tight end situation, we pumped Johnu Smith so much last year, and he had some big games, but he dealt with injury problems the whole year. You, they're still blocking, right? Which is tough. It's tough for kids learning the game. You know, Gerald Everett for South Alabama was huge last Gerald year. Gerald Everett was on the free agent wire, I think, for <laughs> most of the year, and I finally said, F- "It, I got to pick this guy up. <laughs> I got to do it." Yeah. So, and he put me up some big games from South Alabama. I mean, I, you know, most likely didn't win any of those games because I wasn't very good last year. So, all my players got hurt. But he scored he was, touchdowns in seven games last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, good across the board. Uh, just because he plays for South Alabama doesn't mean he doesn't have any other value. And I don't think we have. Do we have any other South Alabama players listed on, on any of these lists? 
Um, no, uh-huh. that's why Gerald Everett, number one option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and just the same way we talked about John Smith last year, he'll make an ass out of all of us. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so I mean. Blake sounded way more excited about these. You don't sign. You don't even have Ben McCord on your list. Why no Ben McCord? I don't even know who Ben McCord is. That's exactly why. <laughs> hey man, Cooper Rush lost his number one target in Jesse Kroll, and now Ben McCord's his number one target. And see, Rush- that's why Blake is Mister CFF. <laughs> <laughs> he goes deep on the tight ends. Phrasing. Um, phrasing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. I've- up. I didn't put Johnny Smith in there, but uh, he's definitely draftable too. So, I mean, and I think you made a point right there, Bogman, with it, just because a guy plays for South Alabama, it. if he's a tight end and he's producing, dude, and, and the guy that you have is not getting it done for you, drop him and pick up someone else. Cause I, I really think that's why he was on that free agent wire for so long last year. It's just because South Alabama is not a college football powerhouse, but uh, the guy. When you get nervous from week to week, right? It's yeah. like, oh, it was just a big week. Uh, it was just a streak. Uh, he had a bad yeah. game. Uh, he just put up 30 points. <laughs> yeah. Gerald Everett had, had twice as many catches as the next guy for South Alabama, so that's how good he is for them. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they don't have to be. <laughs> They don't have to be world beaters. All they got to do is put up points for your team. Exactly. And some of these guys are in, you know, high-powered offenses. We talked about how Georgia State should be pretty good, um, how Boise State is going to be really good. Middle Tennessee is going to be very good. So, I mean, sometimes it's just, you know, the tight ends are so bad, you take one of these guys, you know they're going to be in the red zone a lot. Hopefully one of them goes to the tight end. Right. The the whole benefiting from being in a good offense is definitely, I think, what what I targeted a little bit more besides uh, Everett and Janu. All right. I think uh, that is everything. Are there any more points that we need to make on the Power Five before we end? Non-Power the Five. The non-Power Certainly five. not the Power My Five. My God. I am. <laughs> it is late, and I am making mistakes. It's even late for me. It's all um, good, but uh, are there any more points we need to make on the non-Power 5? I would just say that if you play CFF and you've never done a non-Power 5 league, you absolutely have to try it because it is fun. Yeah, you just you really want to pay attention to, to your scoring in the leagues as well if you're playing yes. non-Power 5. <clears throat> we talked, uh, I mentioned Alex Gardner uh, as a PPR specialist. Um <laughs> It also comes into play when you're talking about quarterback scoring, right? Is is your quarterback touchdowns on the, are you taking 4 points? Are you getting 6 points because it that totally changes your big board, right? Right. That's why Keenan Reynolds is so valuable last year. The rushing touchdowns. Yep. But if you're playing in a league that's six points for passing touchdowns, he kind of gets marginalized a little bit. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, some of these players can be way more valuable if you have any of those quirky yardage bonus leagues. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, definitely, know. but that's that's tough to to really estimate. I mean, hopefully um, nobody is, but I mean, you know, if you're getting bonuses at uh, you know, 100 rushing yards or you get some big bonus for 200 rushing yards or uh, you know, 300 passing yards or something like that, some of these guys playing those really small, you know, uh, FCS schools uh, can be way more valuable than they would in a different league. 
a league that yeah. doesn't do that. I, I mean, I point to Southern Miss, right? Edo Smith had 49 catches last year, and Jalen Richard had 30 catches out of the backfield, and they both rushed for 1,000 yards. So they were much more valuable in PPR than they were in standard leagues. And then a guy like Marcus Cox from Appalachian State with 243 carries, but he only had 18 catches, was much more valuable in standard leagues. So that's a good point. It, there, to make. There's a lot of variance in the non-power five because of the the wide array of offensive systems. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Well, that is uh, that is everything, and that wraps up conference previews i have to go take a look to see what our next show is i can't even remember what it is after this uh right, we're talking uh mock drafts right little little draft bitcoin. strategy we're getting ready yeah we got draft strategy possibly a mock draft in there uh we are still kind of uh it's a bit early yeah sorting that out but uh if you want to be involved in that or if you want to be in our listener league like i mentioned at the top go Throw us a rate and review on iTunes. Let me know you did it. And, uh, you know, we're filling up that league very quickly as it stands right now. So, um, you know, just get at, get at us on the Twitter machine. Uh, I'm ready to roll this year, man. I'm not going to auto-draft. All right. <laughs> Everybody hear that? You got to hold them to it. They I don't care. Up for the I don't draft. care if work tells me I'm flying to Arkansas. It's not, not on draft day, baby. Not on draft day. <laughs> not on draft day, boss. <laughs> drink your sweet tea um so you can you can get at us on the twitter machine at bogman sports at mr cff at lord underscore blazer and we will see you guys next week i've got the another long part of this show coming up with john lobb so make sure you are paying attention after this more and more cff for you coming up right now all right continuing our coverage of the conferences and of course we're doing all of the small schools today, as you heard before. With me today, I have John Lobb from FootballDieHards.com. You can find him on the Twitter machine, at Gridiron Skull. That's S-C-H-O-L 91. Contributor to the Black Book. How you doing, John? I'm doing great. It's awesome to after July 4th to get into the college football season and get excited for Fantasy College. It's getting closer and closer and closer, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, Camps are opening. <laughs> we're looking very, very forward to the college football season, and we're going to discuss some of these small schools. And it's uh, it's interesting. I know some leagues don't play with all the teams in the NCAA, like the Death Row League. We've talked about that before. They do Power Five plus the AAC, and that's it. If do you have any leagues that work like that, or do all of your leagues just use all of the teams? At this point, I prefer to play in a league that uses all 128 teams. I've seen those in which um, limit the amount of conferences. I've actually seen some that will just do, you know, the Pac-12. Yeah. You know, and what I like so much about college football is I want to learn about nearly every player in the country. Because I want to get ready for my NFL draft prospects and the upcoming NFL fantasy season. So by playing in all 128 team leagues, it really forces me to watch every conference and pay attention to every fantasy relevant player in the nation. So I really prefer all 128 teams. 
I think it's better suited for inexperienced players too because there's so much more out on the wire. So if you have a bad draft, you know, you can always find something. I mean, you can usually find something in those other leagues too, except for the ones that, you know, maybe limit it to one conference. But if you're playing in a single conference, you should know your stuff going in. But uh, but like I said, he's John Lobb, and we're going to talk about these. We're going to start out with some independent schools, and it's Notre Dame. And I find it hard – I find it hard to know where to draft Notre Dame players or if I should be drafting Notre Dame players because, John, are they really worth taking this year? It seems like we have two quarterbacks in Malik Zaire and Deshaun Kaiser. We have the two running backs in Folston and Adams and a lot of inexperience at wide receiver. So how are you looking at when to draft or to even draft Notre Dame players this season? Now, historically – Notre Dame is overrated, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and in the, in the nine years that I've been playing college fantasy football, I tend to see Notre Dame players go off the board a little earlier than I'm comfortable drafting them. This year, the Notre board, Dame fans, right? Yes, there's always Notre Dame. It's like cowboy fans, right? Right. They're they're everywhere's Yankee fans, Laker fans. So in general, I'm going to wait, and only when I see a value that pops up. But this year, obviously, if any college football fan has to pay close attention to this Deshaun Kaiser-Malik Zaire battle in training camp, whoever wins that, the starting job for Brian Kelly's offense will be fantasy relevant as long as – Notre Dame wins and the quarterback plays well. Brian Kelly at times can be a hothead. So he can pull quarterbacks and make changes, which will drive you nuts as a college fantasy football owner. Last year, I did not draft my Malik Zaire, who was the starter in August and going into the season. Ironically, when he went down, I did pick up Deshaun Kaiser at the time thinking it was a long shot, and he ended up playing great football. I have a feeling that Kaiser will win the job. I think he's the better of the two. But this could be a situation like last year in Ohio State with JT Barrett and Cardell Jones that turned out to be a fantasy quagmire for college football fans, and neither one of them really turned out to be a weekly contributor. So right now, I think I'm staying away from the Notre Dame quarterback position until one is unfortunately injured or maybe they leave for some reason, but I'm staying away. Now, I agree with you totally, Scott. The wide receiver position is now just in total chaos. Will Fuller went to the NFL, so he's no longer there. I had him for the last two years, and he was stupendous. And then um, it was Corey Robinson, correct? David Robinson's son. Right. He, he left the school because of concussions. So you look at that depth chart in Notre Dame, and I'm not really interested in going into the wide receivers right now, even though historically Brian Kelly has produced good receivers. I just can't sit here and guarantee to tell you or any college football fan which wide receiver will be the best for the Golden Domers this year, we got to wait to see. Now, the more one of a pickup uh, on it, the wide receiver front, right? Absolutely, a waiver wire pickup. I agree with you one hundred percent. 
But there is one player that I am drafting very late, and it depends on your depth chart and how many slots you have. But I like running back Josh Adams. As a freshman last year, he only had 116 carries. But he averaged seven and a half yards of carries, and he ended up totaling 838 yards. And he scored six times. He's a big play potential. And in Brian Kelly's offense, sometimes running backs get a lot of space because he schemes it and he blocks it with four wide. And if the running back can get through the linebackers and into the secondary, he can be dangerous. So I'm looking at Josh Adams right now as my one sleeper, my one golden domer that I'm looking to draft. So more of a late round flyer type of guy on Josh Adams because Falston is obviously the guy with the experience, but he's coming off the injury and all that good stuff. So, but, uh, but Josh Adams, you like to eventually pull the job away. I do. And I think he's coming out a little bit. You know, I always think about draft capital when I'm in a, a, any fantasy draft. Right. Right. And I think Josh Adams comes at a lower cost. So I'm willing to take that um, risk assessment um, analysis and then go from there. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah, and it's um, you know, it's tough to know what to do with with Notre Dame this year just because of uh, you know, the turnover. But there's going to be value there. So I, but I like it. I like your gamble is on a late round running back. You're not spending a high pick on either of these quarterbacks, even even though one of them can be good. Let's say uh, one of them. Let's say one of them transfers before the season starts. What do then you think? Then the value of whoever remains would probably be catapulted into maybe the top twenty quarterbacks in college fantasy football. Okay, so either one, they're they're kind of, they kind of have the same type of skill set anyway, right? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think they're very similar. I think Kaiser might be a little bit of a thrower, but Zaire is a little bit of a runner. But I think from having watched both of them, I believe that Kaiser is a little bit better, and I think he's a better player. Okay, I like it. I like it. Uh, hopefully we'll get some sort of re- uh, resolution before the season starts, but don't expect it because kids want to stay at Notre Dame because it's very prestigious. Uh, I, I We got to talk about these running backs. Now, if you haven't gone on to footballdiehards.com and looked at John Lobb's rankings, it's very, very uh, thorough, and you got to read his stuff. It's great. And in your top 16 running backs, you have six from the non-Power 5 or AAC schools there. Jeremy McNichols, Donnell Pumphrey, Larry Rose III, Elijah McGuire, Brian Hill, and Ido Smith. What separates those guys from the rest of the guys from this section of the smaller schools and what other running backs are draftable from these smaller schools? Sure. So the first thing, Scott, when I'm doing my rankings, you know, most of these players I've seen in multiple games. So at least three games. But what I like about each of them is they are all proven commodities with an excellent track record. And they're all either juniors or senior. So we've seen lots of tape. We've seen a massive amounts of carries that proven that these players can perform at this level in college football. Also, all of them have exceeded a thousand yards at least once, if not multiple times during their campus tenure. 
So those are very good signs. And what I like most is they are all clearly the bell cow runners in their backfields at their schools. When you go to some of the power five schools, you end up with so much talent. It is more likely that you're going to get a running back by committee, or maybe you have a specialist, you have a freshman who might be a good pass catcher, so the coach will put him in, and he might catch 30 passes, and maybe he gets some work late in the game, something like what Baylor did last year. You know, they had three running backs in the mix. But when you go to these smaller schools, you don't usually see that, Scott. When you look at Donnell Pumphrey, he's going to be on the field 90% of the time, and he's going to have a huge market share of the touches by the running back. Larry Rose at New Mexico State, the exact same. He's going to garner such an incredible amount of touches in that system that I think you have to be able to bank on that, and it's clearly worth drafting. I love it. I that that's those are fantastic points to make on these guys, and and like you said, they're all really really good. Are there any other running backs from this section of the smaller schools that you're interested in, or not really? Because like you said, you're looking out of these smaller schools for the experience and and to know that they're the bell cow. No, there there are actually three that I'd like to talk about that I am very interested in. Excellent. Let's hear them. One is Aaron Jones at UTEP. He's 5'10 and 205 pounds. It's not the ideal weight for an NFL running back, but in college, that is almost perfect, especially at the non-Power 5 conferences. But he's returning from an injury, so he's probably being overlooked. But if you look back, At 2014, Scott, 1,321 yards rushing and 11 touchdowns. I like Aaron Jones at UTEP. He's coming at a cheap price. Then we go to Old Dominion in Virginia. They have Ray Lowry, 5'10", 201 pounds. I like these college backs who get over the 200-pound barrier. It's not the key. You would love me as a back, John. I'm way over 200. You would love me as a back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, it doesn't have to be over 200, but it's definitely nice to have it at the college level because the safeties are smaller and the linebackers are smaller. But in the first two years on campus for the Monarchs, Ray Lowry has over 2,000 yards rushing and, and he scored 28 touchdowns. I love Ray Lowry out of Old Dominion this year. And the last one, there's a little bit risk here because they have a new coach. And what happened at Georgia Southern the last two years, if you've watched them, they have just been incredible running the football out of their three back formations. But Matt Breida is 5'10 and 190 pounds. During the past two crusades, he's averaged eight. 8- yards per carry. That's right, 8.3. That is more than some receivers get per catch. He has totaled 3,094 yards and 34 touchdowns. I love Matt Breida. The only thing is, how much will the offensive change with new coach Tyson Summers? So there is some risk on 
Matt Breida, the Georgia Southern running back, but I do like him. The pedigree is there and the past production. I love it. I love it. Love those takes on these smaller school running backs. Uh, going over the quarterbacks, John, we got only two smaller school quarterbacks in your top 16, and they're ranked 15 and 16. And it's Brett Rippon and Nick Mullins. Blake and Blaze are both really high on Brent Stockstill from Middle Tennessee. Is he close to your top 16? And what other quarterbacks from these smaller schools or independent schools are you keeping an eye on? Absolutely. So first, let me tell you, they're right. I like Brent Stockstill. I have him at number 20. But what you know, Scott, at the college level, the running quarterback means everything in college fantasy football. And what we usually have, the elite runners tend to go to the power five schools. Deshaun Watson, Greg Ward, JT Barrett. Quinton Flowers, Lamar Jackson. Not only are they extraordinary rushers of the football, but they can throw the football a country mile. They have great arms. What happens at the non-power five? You can get a player like Keenan Reynolds who played at Navy, and they're, I know they're the AAC, but it's, it's a little bit outside the power five. But Keenan Reynolds ended up at Navy because of his size and his arm strength is clearly not at the elite level. Right. But as far as his legs were concerned, he was amazing. Why I say all this. What happens with Brent Stockstill, who I like, he falls because he's not really going to gain a ton of running yards. Now, I obviously like people like Luke Falk, anyone who plays in Mike Leach's system. Seth Russell, well, that's interesting now. We have a problem with Baylor. That's another story for another day off the field. I dropped Baylor because I don't know what's going to happen without Art Bryles down right, there. Right, yeah. But I would have loved Seth Russell at Baylor if, if Bryles was still there. It's a shame what happened. I don't want to get into that. Of course. But I did Brent Stock still. He had an incredible freshman season. He just fell short of 4,000 yards, and he had 30 passing touchdowns. But it would be unlikely that on a weekly basis, Stock still gets you the 7 to 10 points running the football. That's what you get out of the Deshaun Watsons and the Greg Wards. And sometimes out of Watson and Wards, you'll get 20 points. You'll get two rushing touchdowns and 80 yards rushing. So they're obviously extraordinarily talented. But the reason I drop stock still down is just because you're not going to see those rushing yards out of him. I do like him. I think he's an incredible number two quarterback if you draft him as your second quarterback. I don't feel comfortable with the sophomore as my number one. Obviously, there are times that there are exceptions like Deshaun Watson but last year. But in general, I, I, I would rather wait. I want to see him be able to replicate last year's numbers before I take him as my top quarterback. And there are three other quarterbacks that I like. Taylor Lamb out of Appalachian State. He is a junior. Last year, he threw 31 touchdown passes. Now, Appalachian State is not a big-time throwing school, but Lamb was very efficient with the football and getting it into the end zone passing. I don't expect necessarily to replicate 31, but I think anywhere from 24 to 27 is more than reasonable for Lamb. 
But what I like about Lamb, in the last two seasons, he had 919 yards rushing and nine touchdowns. So there's the potential there for points every week on the ground. So I like Taylor Lamb, Appalachian State. I've already drafted him as my third quarterback on two teams. I like Taylor Lamb a lot. My second one is Chase Litton out of Marshall. It's interesting. Litton is going to be an interesting prospect. He's 6'6", my friend. I can't believe (laughs) that he's not at a power five school, but what I saw, he's only 207 pounds. My guess is he came out of high school looking like a string bean. And he, I'm not, he's not loaded with arm strength. It's not elite. But he threw for 23 touchdowns last year for the Thundering Herd. And, but what I like is he only threw eight interceptions. So I think Chase Litton at Marshall is a very interesting long shot fantasy football quarterback that you can grab this year. And my other school that I'm going to go to, anyone who's played the last two years knows how good Jeff Brahms passing attack is at Western Kentucky. They just put up a plethora of points for college football fans. Now they have a battle going on. Brandon Doherty is left. They have two players, Mike White, who's a transfer, and Nelson Fishback. Early reports looked that Mike White is in the lead for the job. I, I got to watch that Western uh, Kentucky. Fishback what? have a pectoral uh, – didn't Fishback have a pectoral injury or something? He did. And, that, and so I don't think he participated fully in the spring practices. Okay. So I had liked Mike White. I believe he's at Southern Florida. And I had seen him play. He played a lot as a freshman. I think he's got the skill set to be successful in Conference USA with Western Kentucky. They have talent at the wide receiver position. They have a good coach and a good system. So I think we have to watch Mike White very closely throughout the summer. I'm a little surprised that Western Michigan Zach Terrell didn't show up. Well, I do. You know what? I thought it was too obvious, my friend, so it's my fault. <laughs> you know what? <Okay. laughs> I have Zach Terrell at number 22 and Cooper Rush, Central Michigan. He's at 26. I like both of these guys. Okay. But it's just my contrarian nature to go deeper and try to expose readers or listeners to players they might not be thinking about. Maybe it's my fault. I just thought people would know Terrell and Rush because they've been in the CF game now for about three years. I yeah. believe they're both seniors. I got you. Okay. I just just making sure we, no we, got, we got those guys some love too. But uh, I, I tell you what, the wide receivers are uh, thick through these smaller schools. And uh, they're they're sitting very, very high. Corey Davis and, and Keevan Lucas of Tulsa, they, they seem to be at the top of everyone's list. You have Davis at one. You also have Richie James at six, Spurback at eight. Are small school wide receivers, are they more draftable because of the lack of highly recruited defensive backs or the nature of the offenses or just something I'm not thinking of? Maybe it's just they're very, very skilled and they choose to go to smaller schools or something. But I just it seems to me that every year we have smaller school wide receivers higher on the list than at any other position in college football. First, you are completely correct, Scott. The smaller skill receivers who have an elite skill set, like Corey Davis, who looks like an NFL prospect, could even go in the first round if he replicates last year's season this year and goes 
through the combine and the post all-star games and really impresses scouts. I'm very high on Davis, but why they are able to do so well is the linebackers and the secondary that they compete against on Saturdays. While there might be one linebacker or one secondary safety or a corner who might be able to keep up with them. When you have these innovative college coaches who can scheme and move players around and get the ball quickly into their hands on wide receiver screen passes, it is very difficult for a defense coordinator to completely shut down these wide receivers at the college level at the non-power five. And then I think the other, which I, I just touched upon, is really the wide open schemes. You're not, you don't have too many of these Alabama, LSU type, Michigan, Jim Harbaugh type offenses. Sets. Yeah. Yeah, that are going to run the pro set, double tight end, just kind of grind you down with the 300 pound offensive line per man. What you have is you might have some big offensive linemen at these schools weight wise. But they're just not the elite athlete to be able to keep on pounding for four quarters. And they tend to be better pass blockers, I think. And you, the quarterbacks can get the ball out of the hand so quickly. So I think a lot of it is the schemes that the coaches use and trying to get their elite athletes in space with the ball in their hands. That, that's excellent stuff. Uh, so you've got, you've got Davis one. Richie James, six, Burbeck at eight, like I said before. What other small school wide receivers are you looking at to make an impact this season? So there are really three that I like. One is DJ Thompson out of Southern Mississippi. Any college football fan who watched last year Southern Mississippi, they were one of the surprise offenses of the year behind quarterback Nick Mullins and Michael Thomas, who was drafted by the Rams. D.J. Thompson, though, had a very nice season. He ended up with 55 catches for 779 yards and six touchdowns. Now, he's 6'3 and 198 pounds. So he's lean, but he's good, and he steps up into the alpha dog position for Southern Mississippi with a veteran quarterback like Nick Mullins. I like him. There's a little bit risk. There's a coaching change at Southern Mississippi, so we're not exactly 100% sure if the offense is going to stay humming like it did last year, but they do have the quarterback. They do have, I think it's four offensive linemen returning, so I do think Southern Mississippi, the Golden Eagles, will be able to move the football, so I like DJ Thompson a lot. Then there's one who I've been very disappointed in the last two years, but I think it's his senior season, And I do think, Scott, that he has a chance to finally turn it around. It is Tyler Winston out of San Jose State. Wow. As a freshman in 2003, he had 58 catches for 858 yards and five touchdowns. I had actually picked him up maybe off week three or four off the waiver wire, and I had really liked Winston. But the last two years have been really, really disappointing. Last year, he only had 35 catches for 368 yards. But he does have good size, my friend. He's six foot two, 200 pounds. And what I like about him, he has a good quarterback, Kenny Potter, who, who was a JUCO transfer last year. Now he returns to the campus, 
And I think him and Winston might have some simpatico between the two of them. They're both seniors, so I like Tyler Winston a lot. He's going to cost you nothing in drafts. You might even want to look at him week one waiver wire if you don't have seven or six wide receivers on your roster. I tell you what, talking about Tyler Winston, John, uh, I'm I'm looking over uh, my guys' list, Blake and Blaze here. I don't know if either one of uh, them have had him on the list, so that's uh, that's a very very impressive name. Oh, thank. I mean, he's a good player. We definitely. That's why I want to inform readers about that. I think it's worth looking at him, and I like the fact he's a senior. This is his last shot. And then Penny Hart of Georgia State. You gotta love him. This is your typical college slot receiver. I don't think he's really got the NFL body or skill set, but he's perfect for college. He's 5'9", 170 pounds. Last year as a freshman, he had 72 receptions for 1,109 yards and eight touchdowns. The only thing I'm worried a little bit about the Panthers is they have a quarterback change. Nick Arbuckle, who was a very good fantasy college football quarterback. I had him on some season-long teams. I played him a couple times in DFS last year. He has left. And they have Connor Manning. He has started this to um, – he's slated to start. So there is some worry whenever at the college level whenever you have a quarterback change. But Penny Hart is definitely – he is being – there's no question he's being drafted – but he's definitely someone that astute owners are going to look and try to grab. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, John. I got, I've got three names for you that I just want you to maybe touch on a little bit and and go over. Uh, the first one, and I'm surprised uh, at how high he's ranked in in some, you know, and I think this is part of the Western Kentucky offense. But Taewon Taylor, how high? should that guy be ranked? Because I'm looking at CFF Elite's ranks. We talked to them last week for the AAC show. They have him as their fifth wide receiver. Why would um, why would some guys that know a lot about college football be so high on him? You know, so, I, I mean, this is a good kind of debate. I like Taewon Taylor a lot also, but I am concerned about the quarterback change at Western Kentucky. Everyone talks about the system, but the system works when all of the components are humming. One of the reasons Taewon Taylor was so good last year, he had Brandon Doherty, who had 48 touchdowns and over 5,000 yards passing. We talked a little bit earlier about Mike White and Nelson Fishback. I am not convinced that either of those two players are Brandon Doherty level signal callers. So I am not willing to invest that much draft capital right now in Taewon Taylor. There are so many other wide receivers that I like. When I see that much change at the quarterback position, I'm not willing to dip into and pay the price necessary to acquire the player. Let's, in my opinion, let someone else take Taewon Taylor. If he replicates the numbers, I'll take the risk. I say he falls below last season's numbers. I'll look elsewhere because there are so many talented wide receivers in college football. All right, how about uh, Trent Taylor from Louisiana Tech? Both Blake and Blaze have him pretty high. As far as small school ranks, Blaze has him at four. Blake has him at five. All right, so – 
again, I'm I'm very worried they lose two key components of this offense. We know Kenneth Dixon. He had been a college fantasy stud for the last four years, and he was drafted in the fourth round by the Baltimore Ravens. Hint, hint, I drafted Kenneth Davis on all five of my fantasy teams already <laughs> this season. Now, they also have the quarterback, and why am I – Jeff Driscoll, right? Isn't that – wasn't that it? Yeah, Jeff Driscoll, Jeff Driscoll, yep. Who was drafted again. I think I'm not big on him as a Niners. college or NFL prospect. Some people are. I'm not. But to me, when you lose a quarterback and the best, arguably, the best – pass-catching running back and one of the more dangerous running backs from your offense, I'm not convinced that Louisiana Tech is going to be able to replicate last year's offensive numbers. So I've dropped them down to 32. That's just me. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm not comfortable taking Trent Taylor at all. I need to see or read reports about what they're doing in training camp. Um, I think it's I believe it's still Skip Holtz is the coach at Louisiana Tech, correct? Yes, as far as I know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've never been overly impressed with his offenses. I'm from Connecticut and I saw him actually long time ago. I've seen him coach up here. I've watched his career at um, University of Southern Florida, then moved to Louisiana Tech. I think he had two great players. I think he had an all-time college running back. So I think this offense might stutter. I'm not interested in Trent Taylor. I haven't drafted him yet. Okay, and the last one is Kenny Galladay from Northern Illinois. Oh, I love Kenny Galladay. What I have him, I want to double-check, I have him at number 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he is a special player. They should be returning their quarterback, Drew, here. It looks like he's coming back from a ruptured Achilles heel last year, so he should be able to play. We're going to have to watch that closely. He came from North Dakota at the FCS level, and last year he exploded for 1,100 yards on 73 catches. He's 6'4", 200 pounds. I do like the Northern Illinois Huskies. I like their potential. They always have a good offense. Obviously, some years it's been better than others, but I love Kenny Galladay. I'm investing in him heavily. I think he's the one you go after. I would skip Trent Taylor. I would go after Kenny Galladay. Okay, nice, nice. All right, well, I'm glad I brought him up then because I think uh, at the time when I was doing my research and looking at your rankings that the second part of the wide receivers – uh, was not up yet, so I didn't know you had Galladay that high. So I'm glad I brought. No, you're up. correct. You know what? I actually just finished it July 4th. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, so you're correct. Right, and uh, okay, yeah. That that's that's a lot of interesting takes on the wide receivers. I love it, and uh, the the hardest the hardest position to pinpoint in CFF is tight end, and. Uh, we like the tight ends a lot from these smaller schools. Are there a couple you would like to pinpoint uh, that you're going to take a look at this year for CFF? Absolutely. So first, I remember when you and I talked last year, I said basically I I was going to bypass the tight ends because it was a dearth of talent at the position in college fantasy football. 
This year, we actually have the exact opposite, Scott. I think you need to invest in the tight end position. I'm not talking first six rounds. I want my two quarterbacks. I want my stud running backs, and I want some receivers. But I think there comes a point this year where you need to get a tight end because guess what? There's going to be about 10 to 12 relevant fantasy tight ends. I think it's a very interesting season for tight ends. So we won't go through the power five, but there are three that I like at these smaller schools. First one is Juno Smith at Florida International. Okay. He's 6'3", 230 pounds senior. He's got lots of experience. He only played eight games last year. So I think his numbers are being devalued by college fantasy football owners and they might be overlooked. But if you look at his resume, in three seasons, he's got 136 catches and 14 touchdowns. This is a player who's motivated to get onto the radar and to get an invite to those um, post-season all-star games and maybe get into the combine. So I like Juno Smith a lot to come out of Florida International. The other one, out of Idaho. And Idaho plays some interest in football. If you love college fantasy football, there are Idaho, Wyoming. <laughs> there are places where there are fantasy productive players. Uh, we uh, Earlier in the show, I bashed a lot on Blake about uh, picking players from Idaho. But it, he'll be happy to hear you say uh, complimenting Idaho and, and Wyoming's, of course, Brian Hill. Yes. Oh, I love Brian Hill. All right. Deion Watson, Idaho tight end wide receiver hybrid. So I haven't looked to see if he's available on fan tracks at both positions. But if you can get him as a tight end, Scott, this guy is a steal. Last year he had 42 catches for 551 yards and seven touchdowns. At his level of competition to be 6'4", 222 pounds, he can just physically dominate linebackers and other members of the secondary. I like Deion Watson. And the last one, I'm going to go back to San Jose State. And San Jose State is one of my sneaky teams this year. I think they're going to put up a lot of points this year. They have a great tight end, Billy Freeman, 6'3", 232-pound junior. Last year, he ended up with 48 receptions. For 586 yards and six touchdowns, they have Kenny Potter. We talked earlier about Tyler Winston. I think this San Jose Spartans team is going to put some points on the board, and I want to get a piece of the pie. I like Billy Freeman a ton. It looks like I just looked up Watson, and he does qualify a tight end. Nice. That Oh, that could be – if you can nab him as a second tight end, that's how you win the – season-long college football leagues. I love it. That's excellent. Uh, okay, what about, uh, and this is an interesting question to me, I just, uh, with with small schools, which schools are we not drafting players from? But for some reason, maybe it's a coaching change, a JUCO transfer, whatever the reason is, are you keeping an eye on for potential pickups and maybe some injury replacement? Sure, there's two places. Now, it's interesting. At the Power 5 school, there are much more opportunities from what I can see, and I'd like to get some statistics on this. 
it seems like the great athletes at the JUCO schools more often than not go to the bigger universities. Right. I'm not sure why. Maybe it's a dream. Maybe the bigger I think universities. When opportunities pop up, like when, yes. uh, you know, when a senior graduates and, you know, that position is open and they say, hey, you know, maybe I can go fill in at wherever X school because their quarterback just left or their top wide receiver left, something like that. So you don't, and it's interesting because you don't see it happen at the other, but there are two players that I'm kind of looking at closely. One is Johnny Stanton, a quarterback at UNLV. Now he's six foot two, 245. So this is a big kid, not necessarily tall, but he's got good muscle and good size. Last year as a Juco player, he had 3,400 yards passing and 27 touchdowns. And he had, he had originally attended Nebraska but he left to play at the Juco level because he really got on the field for the Cornhuskers. And why I like UNLV, they're slowly making a team here that is more interesting. And he has Devontae Boyd. He really does have a stud wide receiver at the running Rebels that he can throw to. So Johnny Stanton, the quarterback at UNLV, I think is one of those rare quarterbacks who is going to a non-Power 5 school who could help you. And the other, I know we're focused on the Power 5, but then you have the American Athletic Conference, which I love because I'm in Connecticut. But I'm really interested in a running back, Duke Cantillon. Now, he's a transfer from Texas, and he, like, never got on the football field. But Kenneth Farrow graduated, and he ends up in an explosive Houston offense with a great quarterback. If Houston did not have Greg Ward Jr. behind center, I don't know how interested I would be in Duke. But because he's going to a tailor-made offense where he's not going to be asked to be the alpha male from day one, I like Duke Cantillon of Houston to provide, you know, a good quality back as your fourth or fifth runner on your CFB team this year. That's uh, that's an excellent call in. I think uh, Duke Catalan is probably one of those, you know, sleeper, not a sleeper players because uh, everybody loves Catalan. Blake and Blaze both like him. Uh, Blaze was very big on Kenneth Farrow last year, so he was really excited to see his replacement. And uh, I had the CFF Elite guys on. They love Catalan too. So a lot of Catalan love in this podcast so if if he, if he was going underrated if you're listening to this he's not going underrated anymore uh, <laughs> great minds think alike that's right that's right uh it, do you think this is a a good batch of teams to pull defensive matchups or maybe even just season long defenses from i know that san diego state marshall and appalachian state and boise state all four ranked in the top 20 in defensive points per games last year Or do you think it's a little bit risky to take defenses from these smaller schools because of, like we said before, you know, occasionally they'll have one or two really good defensive players, but none of the rest of them are usually highly recruited? Now, I remember last year, I've always streamed defenses in college fantasy football unless I could get Alabama. This year, I'm very interested in Michigan. I might actually be willing to spend draft capital and ride Michigan all season. I think Michigan's defense is going to be sick this year, but that's another story for another day. 
But unless I, if I don't get one of the big four or five, which I usually don't, I do stream small school defenses. And I totally agree with you. Boise, San Diego, Marshall, and Appalachian State are all worth streaming on any given week. But this is how I do it. I kind of have a little formula. When I'm looking for a defense from a small school, my friend, they have to be home. College football, home field means even more than it does in the NFL game. These are kids. Some of these kids are 19, 18, and sometimes a 20-year-old, right? So So going so far on the road is a tremendous challenge. But then what I look for, is if that team is favored by 21 or more points. If I see Appalachian State, they're at home, and they're a 24-point favorite, I don't care about anything else. I'm screaming. <laughs> at that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving anyone here rocket science or telling right, them how right. to split the atom. It's just very simple. I look through the odds Sunday night. I see where the biggest differences are. I look and usually I'd say three or four teams fit that little formula. I plug them in and then I just ride it. I would say my get looking at it, probably 80% of the time you end up with a very good stream in defense. Obviously there's always an opportunity where they don't return a touchdown. They don't get a lot of sacks and the other team scores some garbage points at the end. But in general, you're going to be very satisfied in that scenario. That's a great way to look at it, and I think that's uh, that's probably what most people should be doing. I mean, like you said, if you get a chance to get a Alabama or a Michigan or somebody, it's uh, it's a good call. But if you're not one of those one or two teams that winds up with the, those two super elite defenses, then streaming is probably the way to go for most people. Uh, schedule is a big part of what we have to look at with these small schools. Are you avoiding any team specifically because of a tough schedule? I remember last year when we were talking about these smaller schools, you know, we were talking about Blake Frontapple and Tajay Sharp. And, you know, I asked you just, you know, flat out, like, are there weeks where you can't start these guys? And you went to look at the schedule and, and it was like the first three weeks were really rough for them. Is there anybody with a schedule like that this season? I have not noticed any schedule as bad as what Massachusetts, I, I think it was Massachusetts, right? They had yeah. last year or what Western Michigan had last year. In general, the only time, and then I even learned because the Western Michigan guys in garbage time ended up scoring some points, but I didn't start them. I didn't think the risk return was worth it. But basically, if I see one of these running backs against an elite power five run defense, I'm taking him off the field. The linebackers and the safeties are just way too fast. You, the, the offensive linemen just aren't athletically talented enough to open the holes. But the running backs and the quarterbacks can get some garbage time. So to me, you have to take it on an individual game basis. I would have to look closely. But right now, there isn't a team like last year when I just said, wow, Western Michigan, Massachusetts are in really bad situations. There's no one now that is, it appears to me to be so bad that you have to completely ignore their fantasy players. 
Okay, well let let's uh, sticking with the schedule. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out some games, and you let me know yes or no if you're starting those teams players against a uh, uh, power five defense. So the, the first one is SMU at Kentucky. No question, no question in my mind. I play my Mustangs. Okay, Western Michigan at Northwestern. Once again, absolutely. I like Western Michigan to be able to put the ball in the air and get some points. Uh, Western Kentucky at Alabama. Not even going to consider a hilltopper <laughs> in that contest. Uh, Wyoming at Nebraska on September 10th. You know, this one. I this one's a tough one. I, I probably would play Brian Hill because he can be a pass catcher. So you might get if you watch Brian Hill when they were in blowouts or Wyoming was overmatched, he ends up with a lot of reception. So if you're in a point-per-reception league or you're just getting points for yardage and touchdowns, I do think I'm going to bench anyone, but I'm going to play Brian Hill against um, the Cornhuskers. All right, how about uh, we're moving into October, October 15th, SMU at LSU. I don't I, – I'd have to watch that. The only player I might play – would be Cortland Sutton, the wide receiver, because I think Garvey. he has the physical ability and the size to compete with uh, with um, LSU. But I would not be playing um, the quarterback, and I'm sorry for a second, Matt Jones. I would not be playing Matt Jones. The only one I would consider is Cortland Sutton. How about Georgia Southern at Georgia Tech? I don't like Georgia Southern players in that game. I think Georgia Tech – I think there won't be a lot of how do I, there won't be a lot of offensive plays. Both teams run the football a ton. I would be worried a little bit about Georgia Southern's ability to get back into this football game if Georgia Tech just runs up like 400 yards on the ground. I'd have to see a little bit more. What does the Georgia Tech run defense look like by that time of the year? But right now, I don't think I'm playing Georgia Southern. How about Middle Tennessee State at Missouri? I am going to play Middle Tennessee State. We talked about earlier about the um, quarterback Brent Stockstill. I would feel comfortable playing him. Missouri is not the Missouri we remember of about four years ago. And they have a great college-wide receiver in Richie James. So I think Stockstill and James will be able to get garbage time points. I would play them against Missouri. Okay, and the last one is University of Louisiana Lafayette at Georgia on November 19th. I'm not going to play anyone against the Bulldogs. They're on the road. Georgia's just loaded at and talent on the linebacker and on the offensive side. I think they're, they're running into a buzzsaw there. All right, John. Last one. Is there anything we missed from these schools that you would like to elaborate on or did we cover it all? I think we covered a ton, but all I really want to say is I don't know why people are not playing college fantasy football. If you love NFL season long, I just don't understand it. I become such a better scout. I know the players so much better when they go to the combine, when they go to the all-star games, I've seen every one of these guys at least once, if not four times throughout the season, I just love it. I love watching games in Conference USA. I enjoy very much the Mountain West. I mean, there's so many different ways in which offensives use their personnel 
the skills of the players. I mean, I just want to say, if you haven't done it yet, just jump in with two feet. Get in a league at fan tracks. Like you said earlier, Scott, even if you have a poor draft, there are so many players. You can continue to pick up players. You can stream defenses. And it just makes you a better football scout. And guess what? Now you have four days of fantasy football. I just don't know why anyone isn't playing it. I just love it. I'm a diehard. I could not agree anymore. And remember, guys, if you like what you hear here from John Lobb, you can find him on the Twitter machine at Gridiron Skull. That's S-C-H-O-L 91 on Twitter. He's on footballdiehards.com. He contributed to the Black Book. You should pick that up if you haven't yet. It's five bucks on Amazon. Help you throughout your season. And, John, I just want to thank you so much, man. We really appreciate uh, the time. Oh, Scott, you're so welcome. Anytime I'll come on at any moment. Excellent. Thanks, John. You're welcome. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.